Hello and good Sunday evening on June 6, 2021. If you're new here, this is Everything Paranormal Podcast Show 2021. If you're returning, it's EPPS 2021. Welcome. I'm your host, Parrot Mike, that lovely lady over there. <laughs> I still can't get it right. Don't worry about it. Is the one that wanted to quit the show, and I threw out there about her wanting to quit the show, and thank you to most of you that comment a heart saying love for stay, <laughs> a like up for her to stay, and a couple of little messages here and there that I told her she quits, we quit watching the show <laughs> without her and you together. Because you make it funny as all hell. So she's here tonight. I don't know if she's going to stay or not. That's huh? something that we can ask her. Oh, yeah. Uh, just jump on into the live stream. Comments below. If you're on Facebook Live. He'll see it. See it. I won't. Twitter, which is also known as Periscope.tv. Or YouTube. Comment in the description below it and everything, and it will pop up on my screen, and I will pop it up like that right there to show her and everything like that. And as you can see the episode 36 movie review, Paralore went to see a movie Friday morning. Yes. That just came out of a two-part <laughs> series franchise as I've been seeing lately. <laughs> don't know how the hell that works. I'd like to know who uh, freaking said uh, labeled it that. I don't know. It was just kind of weird. But it's The Conjuring 3. The Devil Made Me Do It. So she's going to do an entire movie review on that and everything. Uh, I've already seen a few comments on Facebook late last night about people seeing Conjuring 3. Yeah. They said it was really good to a certain point. Uh, a few of them have more respect for, for Ed and Lorraine Warren. Still don't know how that works. Hey. Only on Ed's side. <laughs> Lorraine, I, I can understand. <laughs> I can understand giving her the respect that is due. But for Ed, yeah. <laughs> I'm still on a fence with that one. Yeah, I know. So, uh see, we got that. We got a little bit of news, because uh, I've been seeing lately a lot of UFO news. And that it was actually confirmed by one of our armed forces... It was highly confirmed. It was video recorded by one of our armed services. And they said it's fucking true. So mm. I have a story here of one of them and everything. And then I'll tell you what I remember from what I watched about this and it's been all over the news all over social me media uh unfortunately the pentagon is trying to cover it up 
as usual. They always do. Bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> and then we're going to get into our little game that we have been doing. <laughs> and, you know, later on down the show, we will throw a, like a 30-second pause into it so Paralore can get ready Shit. and exactly tell you again how the game goes. Yeah. And everything. Uh, but I do believe that we are going to start with the movie review. Yeah. Uh, brought to you by Paralore. Give me a minute. Uh oh. She lost something. It took me out of the stream Stay. by accident. <laughs> so, that's going to be fun. Um, <sighs> and then we have some other movies coming up in the later months of this year and two of them I can't wait to go see or three <laughs> Is it, no three okay three. I'm here I'm sorry it's three of them one of my movies uh, movie notes uh, fell over yeah so three of the movies I want to see is uh, Space Jam New Legacy um, Afterlife uh-huh. Ghostbusters 3, I guess they call it, and Suicide Squad. The only three I want to see this this month, or this year. Yeah. I think there was another one that I, that I won't be able to see because it has flashing in it, right? There's quite Which, a few. Um, I mean, at first, you actually wanted to see The Conjuring 3 with me. Right. Um course i was able to find uh the official trailer for it saw it on my laptop i didn't see uh rapid flashing double checked it on my phone and started seeing some of it some of flashing in it i said okay by the trailer I couldn't tell which scene had the most flash in it. So, to be safe, I did it myself. And there's one thing before I get my review. I remember hearing about the Devil Maybe Do It case. I remember researching it. And it's kind of hard That's all Okay Just leave it the way it is I just removed myself out of the frame so you could talk because I'm seeing something on the screen here that's going up and down. It looks like a hair, but I'm not sure. Oh, if you're talking about the waving white thing, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I'm not smoking either. (laughs) No, it looks like hair. Sorry, folks. It just looks like hair flapping across your uh, webcam. It's It's not hair. 
What the hell is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, now this just got paranormal for us. <laughs> it wasn't there when we did our test to make sure the sound and the video was working perfectly, but now we're live, and now I'm seeing this on my side from her webcam, and it's like, what the hell? It's ridiculous. To be honest, it... Um... It's bugging in hell out of me. It's like, I'm trying to focus <laughs> on you, but my eyes are on this goddamn thing. <laughs> well, I can tell you, um, from how I'm seeing it, it's, it looks like an arm. <laughs> it doesn't look like an arm to me, whatsoever. It Hi, just, Heldy. It just looks like freaking hair just keep bouncing back and forth. It's <laughs> driving me nuts. What hair? I cut it. <laughs> no, I'm talking about on your webcam. Yeah, there's nothing there. It's still there. It's not my camera. <laughs> what the flying hell? I know it ain't mine. What the flying hell? No. I've this been noticing nuts. that for the past couple of episodes. This is nuts. I've gone back through the episodes, and it hasn't been there until uh, the last one we did. And yeah. then a couple of day- nights later, you said, fuck the podcast show, I'm done. <laughs> and everything. And it wasn't there when I ran tests afterwards. And now it's back. I was like, what the fuck? It may be an arm, because I have a feeling it might be Alex. Um, Knock it off, you ass. <laughs> well, we both know it ain't Richie. <laughs> no, I'd be calling him a jackass. <laughs> but anyways, go ahead. Um, as much as I tried to research that when I was a lot, a lot younger, um, it was after I met them. Um, I had to do a... Uh, paper for um, either my parapsychology or or paranormal psychology course. I can't remember which one of the two. But I tried talking to Lorraine and Ed to try to explain it due to the fact it is one of their case files. Of one of the cases, and Lorraine and Ed were a little too protective, maybe, of it. Um, I mean, Ed, um, Ed was a nice guy, but when it came to people trying to give Lorraine, like, specific tests basically, you know, what she would know as a medium. Or a psychic medium. And that always irked Ed. People thinking, you know, she's a sideshow attraction. Um, I mean, he did explain that reason to me. I said, you know something? I agree with you. I really do. I was fucking three years old when I started seeing this shit. Still do. It doesn't bother me. Um, it's funny, because he 
talk to me about when I first met the real Annabelle. Um, and I didn't know anything about her. Nobody said anything of it a long time ago. And um, he goes, to be honest, I'm not like Lorraine. I'm not like you. But you toning in on her freaked me the fuck out. A lot more than any of the cases I've ever been. I've ever done. I went, I can't help it. And obviously you're still wondering, am I right? Could it actually have been um, something that was given to the nurse on purpose? Or if it really was a demon? Because you don't really know. At the time, you didn't know. Right. Now there's more, I'd say, stuff out there to probably prove otherwise. Um, but I am going to say this. The movie, The Conjuring 3, they did show, like, s- snapshot p- photos, which was actually some of the flashing. Not really fa- really fast, but just a couple spurts. Of the bo- the little boy. Knock it off! I hate it when he does that. Um... He, uh, it's, I can't really say too much without spoiler alerting it. Um, they did, there is a scene, the opening scene, which I think should have been like towards like the end instead of just like right off the bat, um, of the little boy from the case. Before the adult got it. Before the adult got the possession. Which I did remember uh, reading about in the case. I said, okay. I can kind of give it to... Which is really odd. It said New Line Cinema on it. For the, uh, the company. And I'm like, wait a minute. Warner Brothers owns that. Um... They did bring that to the forefront off the bat. Um, I think they could have added a little bit of stuff prior to um, to just the opening where, bam, you see the little boy acting all twisted. Uh, I can say one thing. All the movies... I've ever seen where there's a possession in it of bone cracking that loud. It was hurting me. (laughs) It was hurting my back, my freaking arms, my legs, my neck. Um, And it was funny because a part in it had me laughing a couple of times. One, the ear. 
of the case. 1981. <laughs> My birth year. <laughs> I was just about to say the year of your birth. Yeah. October thir- October 5th, 1981. Blood red fucking full moon. <laughs> and another part um which in the movie they kind of put Lorraine in the forefront instead of usually Ed being the forefront really and I'm like okay either that's something they added in there to give Lorraine more credit um and what thing has anybody ever heard of Ed Warren having heart trouble or heart attack anytime after or during that fucking case? Because that was in the movie, and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember hearing anything about that. Mm. Um, I mean, if there was, they again, they were very secretive of their cases. Um, Overall, without really giving a little too much, there is a scene where they were showing Lorraine, or a few scenes, they were showing the woman playing Lorraine in the movie, uh, going through spurts of trance states, or channeling. I'm like, holy shit. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm seeing me. Because that happens sometimes with me. Or, I should say, that happens when I sleep. <laughs> I said that to be funny, but really not. And there's another scene. There's a scene where... Not spoiler alerting it. Where... Lorraine, in the movie, has to do a test about a different case that was similar to what they were working on. Picks the right object without knowing anything on the case, the prior case. And there's a side bet, and there's someone handing somebody a a money bet. Which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, but overall, my rate, my rating for Conjuring 3, it is very good. Um, to me, it looked a little bit slow at certain parts. Um, it looked a little slow on certain parts. And there was also some parts that they did a little too fast. For example, the opening scene, the boy, instead of showing a little bit of what the boy was experiencing before his outbursts, as I'm going to say it, due to the fact it's a movie version, before Arnie, I can't remember the guy's last name from the case, but the, uh, Arnie, the man that became possessed, 
which I actually was told by the rain before certain parts of their case, which actually got me a fucking A-plus in my paper. And I remembered what she told me about it from the little boy and the guy taking the possession from the boy. That was solid. Everything mm -hmm. else, eh. Think they added shit in there that did not need to be there. Um, she did a little backstory on the little boy first, then go into Arnie. Right. Not automatic, oh, little boy possessed, and automatically Arnie gets starts showing signs of it. Overall, yeah, about three and a half stars. It's mm. good. Um, reason I'm saying three and a half is a little bit slow for my taste. And a little discombobulated. That's how I see it. A little discombobulated. And added shit that didn't need to be in there. Uh, but yeah, the next movies I have to be seen by myself. Um, yeah, just to let you know, uh, Ed's last name yeah. is Miney. Yeah, I know that. But it's kind of funny how it's Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. It's kind of funny. He took his middle name, which is Warren, yeah, no. and used it for a last name. Instead of M-I-N-E-Y. Everybody knows that. <laughs> he was born September 7th, 1926 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yeah. Died August 23rd, 2006 at the age of 79. Yeah. In Monroe, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, paranormal investigator, painter. Yep. Author and demonologist. Yes, he was. Organization that he was a part of was the New England Society for Psychic Research. Mm-hmm. Um, he only has one child, Judy Warren. Yeah. That would be their daughter. Yeah. Which would be the one that the dumbass Sapera married. Yeah. And I still hate that bastard. Yeah, if you want to check out his website, it's Warren's... Dot net. I don't know who runs that website, though. Um, I don't know if it's Sapera, who I've really loved to slap. Um, <laughs> simply because of how he mistreated Zach. Yeah. Um, and I can say this as a fact, because I actually saw that fucking thing. The doll that um, Sapera took out of the suitcase is the real one. It is the real Annabelle. I know, because I remember seeing her. It's a fucking and I didn't know anything about her. It's a fucking Raggedy Ann doll. I know it is. And the way he was disrespecting Zack also pissed me off. 
And, you know, I said something to Dave Schrader from Doctor's Radio and the Holzer Files about it. You know, I don't care if he's related by marriage to Lawrence or not. What he was doing is disrespectful to his father-in-law and mother-in-law. Yep. Very disrespectful. I mean, yeah, some people may think I'm a little bit kook. Because I saw that fucking thing when I was just a teenager. Mm. But I know that's the real one. I mean, everybody knows what Raggedy Ann fucking looks like. Yeah. Raggedy Ann was always uh, a little short thing. Not a fucking big-ass fucking size that looks like a five, six-year-old. Yeah. That is the real one. That's why I said that's bullshit. The big one's bullshit. That son of a bitch disrespecting his in-laws by bringing that thing and not really trying to help help guide Zach away from not touching her. He's like, okay, out of what you know of it, what do you think of what Sapera told him about the guy on the motorcycle dying. I said, the way he explained it, um, oh, he taunted it and tapped on the glass. And died instantly in a motorcycle crash? By hitting a tree. By hitting a tree? That I remember. Um, one thing I know about motorcycles Especially the one that the guy, that college kid was riding. Those were recalled that year because mm-hmm. of that because of the flaw in something of the brakes or the ignition. The motorcycle he was riding was on recall, and everyone that had a motorcycle that motor type of motorcycle had to get paid back. He didn't turn that car, that motorcycle back in. He kept it. Yeah. So technically, that falls on him. Right. Second of all, and Zach even said it really on Twitter. He didn't say it on camera because he didn't look want to look like an asshole because mm-hmm. he invited the guy. Um, that... Anybody, I mean, yeah, when you see the sign, do not touch glass, usually means it hasn't been blessed again. When you do a blessing of any kind, you have to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. After a specific amount of time, you have to redo it. Obviously, if something like that happened to that kid... After taunting it, then that means that was never re-blessed or re-cleansed. The way I know of blessings, cleansings, you, some people use holy water. I've seen people use holy water, but holy water itself technically doesn't do anything. You need to add blessed salt to it. 
you have to have blessed salt in the, in the holy water and put blessed salt outside on top of the ring that creates the circle. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. Right. That's how you keep it where it's supposed to be. Um, I mean, I've rolled my eyes every time. Oh, there's an Annabelle movie out and it's a fucking porcelain. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? You can't do the real one? Or the real version? Exactly. Um, but anyway, there's, I'm off my soapbox about that. <laughs> um, Conjuring 3. Yeah, it is good. To, it is good. To, actually good to go see. For my reason, it's three and a half. A little slow, but shit did not need to be added. And some things needed to be more explained on. But other than that, it was actually good. Um, and it's kind of funny. The Country 3. And of course, Quiet Place Part 2. Um, are, due to the fact they both came out Friday, this past Friday, two days ago, they're fucking, they're at the top box office right now. Anything else is, like, a long, a long way away from them. (laughs) Although the second one sounds really stupid for a title. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I mean, I've heard Dave Schrader and, um, Tim Dennis's um, explanation of what they th- rate um, the first Quiet Place because it was different. I mean, I understood it, but at the same time, I just didn't like it. It's not my my it's not my type of horror movie or a thriller movie. Mm. Um, <coughs> and if you think logically, you really think a fucking baby. Kids are gonna keep their ass quiet. No. <laughs> no. Especially that's... if you look at the trailers of A Quiet Place Part Two. There's a fucking baby in the movie. You gonna keep a baby quiet? <laughs> no. no, it's not programmed that way. Logically, that does not happen. No. Um, it's not okay. programmed that way. <laughs> anyway. Um, I got some paratainment stuff, a plethora of it. Uh, I know we got. I gotta finish fifty best horror TV shows because some people have been asking about the rest of it. <laughs> um, I gotta find where the fuck I was at. Um, should not take me long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, since we were talking about the Raggedy Ann doll, that was uh, actually now the I can't s- hear nothing. Okay, there we go. That was actually the start of the Conjuring universe. Yeah, I know. I just read it on um, Lorraine's section of Wikipedia. And everything, and her last name's not Warren neither. I it's M O R A N. I know. So, 
she she did give a little description saying that oh two roommates um, had this doll that was possessed and she said well it's not possessed by a little girl of course she gave the name Annabelle Higgins yeah don't know how that true that is then she said that it was an inhuman presence now for me just saying that and actually reading it while Parallel was talking kind of threw up some flags in my in my head about it and then about how this is all going from Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, Annabelle Part 1, Annabelle Part 2, Annabelle Part 3. It's like, why? I don't know. If you're going to say the, the name of the spirit possessing a doll named Annabelle Higgins. Yeah. How do you automatically go from that to an inhuman presence inside a fucking stuffed thing that companies make? If it's cursed. If it was a curse put on the thing to be passed to someone else, I don't know. Uh, that is understandable, but it's just the way it was worked up to it is where I'm trying to go with this. A company created this doll. Yeah. And it was shipped all over the globe mm-hmm. for kids to have yeah. because of the comic book that came out. Fucking TV show, TV movie. A TV cartoon. And everything. I don't remember them making a Raggedy Ann and Andy doll movie. Yeah, they did. I don't remember that. Um, they did. Uh, unfortunately, I had to deal with seeing it. Uh, my stepmother. Mm. Um, again, not my cup of tea. Um, I was about, say, like five, maybe six. Um, when you actually could go to a video store and rent movies. Um, she rented it. Um, she was, I would say, a little bit protective when it came to see uh, kids watching horror and stuff like that. Um... I mean, technically, she. When she saw that I was watching A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, on TV, where they didn't cut shit, <laughs> she had a, a. I would say a knip fit, but she was a little bit worried about it giving me nightmares. Like, you know, um. Like a long time ago where parents were supposed to say you can't watch stuff like that until you're an adult and you can get the hell out. Um, I mean, to be honest, the one person that said, oh, there's nothing wrong with it, my stepfather. Mm. I mean, I was four when I saw that fucking movie. did not bother me. It bothered Jen. Not my... Not a pair of Mike's knees. But my stepsister. Scared the fuck out of her. But Mm. didn't ask me. 
I just sat there in front of the TV like this. Doop, 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 doop. And eating. <laughs> um, Popcorn, cheese balls. No, I wasn't eating those. I wasn't eating those. <laughs> I was just throwing it in there for a joke. I know. I was eating wheat nuts and raisins. Now I can't even fucking get any. Well, the well, raisins can, you can, but... but wheat nuts you can't. For some strange reason, when I ordered her some wheat nuts from the company, and I paid almost $22 for it, they ended up not knowing a fucking thing and said for me to contact Amazon. I contacted Amazon. Amazon said, uh, there's nothing here. We have no contact with that company. Somebody lied. So I'm out 22 fucking dollars for it. And I don't know if I should do it again. Well, technically, due to the fact it's how I actually uh, kept my iron leveled. Yes, I know. For years. I know. Um, I think I just because don't want to go through that of, bullshit again. Because of the shit sandwich from last year, a lot of... Uh, people that would uh, order food off uh, through the mail and stuff like that. A lot of the companies stopped selling uh, for a time for until they were given the word. Yeah, everything's fine. You can start reselling. Yeah, I know that. So some resellers, they don't. Um, I mean, for example, the company that the wheat nuts are from. Um. They have somebody, uh, one or maybe a couple of people that deal with the website. And one or maybe, maybe like several people that deal with the sales. For people that buying and shipping and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. But it, the, the thing is, is that it should have never come out of their mouths. Oh, you need to contact Amazon. Every time that I would buy her her wean nuts from this company... We never had a problem. It never comes from, like, UPS. Never comes from FedEx. Doesn't come from DHL. Doesn't come from, like, a third party that supposedly has a piece of shit truck (laughs) for one of the four companies. But it always came from the United States... Postal Service. Yeah. USPS. The mail. Never had a problem until the shit sandwich happened last year. Exactly. So it had to have been that, because whoever was dealing with the orders and stuff like that probably didn't put a notice, we're not selling, um, we're not shipping out any orders for a certain amount of time. That could be the only reason that happened. I don't if know. they don't, if someone that um, is supposed to deal with the website, which is linked to the people that um, that take the uh, orders, the orders stuff like that. Yeah. The website team or teams are supposed to put the fucking uh, note not accepting any orders right now. Since that wasn't up there, and even the person you spoke at Amazon even talked to a representative from that um, company 
website and company, that actually falls on you. You uh, pay people to update your shit. You don't put the th um, put um, oh go to Amazon because we're not taking these orders. You can't because we don't have a comp contract with you. Yeah. But the funny thing is, after that little squash, I ended up getting like getting the money put back to me like two months later. Yeah. So. All right. Anywho. Um, okay, per I found where I was. News. Huh? Pert news time. Yep. I found where I was. Uh, anybody remember that stupid cartoon, Courage the Cowardly Dog? Good God. <laughs> How? That is... How the fuck did that come up into the paratainment news? Uh... I'm starting off with the 50 best horror TV shows. I never finished it. Like I said, how did that come up at Paratainment no News? Idea. Uh, I remember seeing one. Um, episode. Um, I can't remember if it was on um, Nickelodeon or um, Cartoon Network. I can't remember uh, which one of those two had it. And that was a Saturday morning cartoon on ABC. I remember that as a kid. Well, it says here, 1999 to 2002. Uh, fucking user rating, 8.2. Excuse me, 2. Votes thirty seven thousand fifty five. These people had to have been smoking something. The title character of this horror comedy, I wouldn't put horror in it, nor would I put comedy in it. Just that's what I call it. It's courage, a pink anthrop anth anthropomorphic dog. Living with an elderly couple in a rural farmhouse. Each episode, the trio must contend with paranormal threats that appear on their property. The series was created by the animated short, The Chicken from Outer Space. And shockingly, which was nominated at the 68th Academy Awards. Again, what the fuck were people smoking? Because I may want some. Okay. Next we have the Bates Motel. That, I do remember... was supposed to have been like a TV series prequel to Psycho. Uh, 2013 to 2017. Decades after Alfred Hitchcock reinvented thrillers with 1960s Psycho, the contemporary prequel, Bates Motel, appeared on A&E in 2013. Depicted the lives of iconic villain Norman Bates, Freddie, Heim 
Highmore, and his mother, Norma, Vera Farmiga, the woman who plays Lorraine. Prior to the events of the original movie. Wasn't a bad a bad uh, series of a prequel. Um, it wasn't bad. To me, I think they just put a little too much. Um, I wouldn't say too much imagination. I would say. Um, like, if anyone remembers the movie Psycho, black and white, there was, uh, different bodies being found that no one was ever to find before. So, the TV series was the prequel to how the people that were found dead disappeared and so on. Wasn't a bad... It wasn't a bad take on it. Um, they could have done a little bit better. But, eh. I mean, I didn't care for it, nor did I hate it. It was basically, for me, a two and a half. Penny Dreadful. I saw a couple seasons of this when I actually had Netflix, when Netflix was actually good to watch. Um, I was more confused watching Penny Dreadful than I was watching Once Upon a Time. Uh, Penny Dreadful was 2014 to 2016. Set in Victorian London. Um, Penny Dreadful Center's on Explorer, Sir Malcolm Murphy, played by Tony Delton. Scientist, Victor Frankenstein, played by Harry Treadway. Gunslinger, Ethan Chandler, Josh Hartnett. And Medium, Vanessa Ives, Eva Green. Who fight supernatural evils? The series included iconic characters from British Gothic fiction like Dorian Gray and Count Dracula. Again, watching Petty Dreadful each season got too fucking confusing for me. Um, so, I don't know how many seasons there are of Petty Dreadful. I just stopped watching after the second season because I was very confused about it. Okay. Next is the originals. 2013 to 2018. The spinoff of the hit CW series The Vampire Diaries stars Joseph Morgan as Claus the world's first vampire-werewolf hybrid who has returned to New Orleans, a city his family helped build. 
However, trouble brews when he finds that his protege, Marcel, played by Charles Michael Davis, has taken over the French Quarter and unsettled other supernatural creatures. Uh... Uh, I really don't know what to rate that one. After, I wouldn't say a whole season, after two, maybe three, four episodes. Um, me and Paramike, we tried to watch it. And at the same time, we both go, what the fuck are we watching? None of this makes no sense. Ah, something from uh, the 90s when I was actually watching good shit. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Not the movie, the TV series. 1997 through 2003. Sarah Michelle Gellar leads this iconic teen supernatural series as Buffy Summers. A high school girl who is the latest in the long line of slayers. Although she wants to live a normal life, she must learn to battle vampires, demons, and other dark forces. Uh, I forget the guy's name who does, who played Angel in Buffy that did a spin-off TV series a hit of Angel. Um, and he was also in Bones. Yeah. He's also the executive producer. Let me see if I can uh, find it. I didn't think he was that cute, to be honest. Um, a couple of people that are in the LGBTQ that I used to hang out with, a couple of them, they died years ago. Or some years ago. Um... A couple of them are still around. I'll hear from them here and there. One of them said Angel was hot. And I said, where? Does not appeal to me as sexy. It doesn't. Um, until the character Spike came in. I thought Spike was better looking. <laughs> and the guy who plays Spike, who played Spike, he's still around today. Really fucking hot. Huh? And I think they did... I think they did another... Uh, spin on Buffy... Uh, a few years ago. Um, I know I saw some previews of it. Never got a chance to watch it. Um, it was supposed to have come out on Netflix on a specific time and day. And never happened. So I got pissed off and said, you know what, fuck it, I ain't watching it. Alright, the guy that played Angel? Yeah. In... Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the spinoff yeah. and also in Bones. 
is his name is David B O R E A N A Z. Okay. Uh, he's an American actor, television producer, and director known for playing the roles of vampire turned private investigator Angel on Buffy the Vampire Slayer from '97 to 2003. Yep. And it's spin off Angel from '99 to 2004. FBI special agent Seely Booth. Yeah. A homicide investigator on the TV, on the television crime uh, procedural comedy drama series Bones. Continue reading. I need in to be 2005 and 2017. And a U.S. Navy SEALs Master Chief Special Warfare Operator Jason Hayes in the military drama series SEAL Team from 2017 to right now so that one i did not know about but that's what he's been doing lately uh let's see what else is here do 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 he is married he has two children um mother and father still alive so that's pretty cool um Films he's done from 1993, Men Don't Tell, Aspen Extreme, Best of the Best Two, that's two, Um, 96 he did one, 2001 Valentine, I'm with Lucy in 2002, The Crow, Wicked Player in 2005, 2006, These Girls, Mr. Fix-It, The Hard Easy, 2017, Suffering Man's Charity, 2008, Justice League, The New Frontier, as a voiceover, he is Hal Jordan, also known as Green Lantern, whoever thought that would happen. He has no powers, he's on meth. (laughs) Uh, 2009, The Mighty Max. And 2013, Officer Down. That's the movies that he's been in. Uh, Three uncredited ones in 93. Uh, Suffering Man's Charity went straight to video. Uh, Voiceover, limited release, straight to video. So there's two of them that went straight to video. Limited release, I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to stand for. Huh? Limited release. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to say. Limited for. release? Yeah. Um, for the Mighty Max. That's M A C S. In 2009. Limited release is um, where it's only out for a specific amount of time. That's what limited means. Uh, it's like. Um, it's another way of saying miniseries. Oh, okay. If it's a TV show. Oh, no, this is a film. A film? Yeah, a movie. Okay, then it was uh, out for a limited amount of time. Oh, okay. Uh, television uh, appearances, 1993, Married with Children. He played the role of Frank. In what episode? Uh, I remember watching show. that show. It was a movie show. It was. It's a noted. Um, I don't even remember him being in Married with Children. 
uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, two thousand uh, nineteen ninety seven, two thousand three. Uh, season one, he was a guest in seasons four, five, and seven. Main role in season two and three, fifty seven episodes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's been nominated for a bunch of stuff, uh, Kids Choice Awards for favorite TV television friends. Shared with Sarah Michelle Geller, nominated Teen Choice Award for Choice TV Actor. Yeah. Uh, 99 to 2004, Angel, the role of Angel. Uh, lead role, 110, directed one. Yeah. Set an award for Best Actor on Television, 2000, 2003, and 2004. Nominated uh, Saturn, sorry, I I messed up that word. I'm reading on a small screen, sorry guys. Yeah. Um, Saturn Awards for Best Actor on Television, 2001-2002. Nominated Satellite Award for Best Actor Television Series Drama. Nominated Teen Choice Awards for Choice TV Actor. 2002, Baby Blues. Uh-huh. As Johnny in the uh, voice-over episode, Teddy Cam. Uh-huh. Uh, 2003, Them Smokies, the hero of Marathon. He played the Smokies. TV, television movie. 2005, he was on Punked. Yeah. As himself in episode six. Um, yeah, he was either punking someone he knew or he was getting punked. I don't know. Uh, 2005 to 2007, Bones, Seeley Booth, like I said. Lead role, 246 episode, directed 11. Yeah. Producer, which there's nothing after that. Nominated. People's Choice Award for Favorite TV Drama Actor. Nominated Teen Choice Awards for Choice TV Actor Drama 2006, 2011, and 2012. 2010, he was in Family Guy. (laughs) As Aurora, with his last name that I've already spelled. The episode was Road to the North Pole. I forget what episode that was. Little uh, home season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2012, American Dad. Seely Booth voice episode, Less Money, More, more Problems. And that's M.O. Uh, 2015, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. As, the, as his uh, detective's name, Steely Booth. Yeah. Episode, Dead Men Don't Tell, Dead Men... Tale, no tales. Yeah. Uh, 2017 to the present, SEAL Team. He plays Jason Hayes. Lead role, directed three episodes. Exclusive producer, producer. Don't know why they would put in there twice. Uh, 2018, America's Game. He is a narrator. Episode, the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. Uh-huh. Uh, for video games, 2002, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He played the role as Angel. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts. He played Leon. Uh, 
which yeah. is an English dub. Uh, and then in 2013, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix, he played Leon again. Stock footage, English dub. Don't know what that means. Uh, for music video, 2003, White Flag. And the artist is Daidu. D-I-D-O. Yeah. And that's it for Jason there. Or David, sorry. Okay. Again, I don't see how people thought he was cute and buffy. Probably... Maybe because he was considered pretty face material for a man. Don't know. So I thought, in it. I thought Spike was better. Uh, uh, James Wesley, M-A-R-S-T-E-R-S. That's his last name. Who'd play Spike? Yeah. Yeah, he was hotter. I, I could recognize his face to the fact that he's 58 years old. <laughs> I could recognize his face because his eyes and his nose hasn't changed. Well, of course. Since he played Spike. he's. I always thought he was hot. <laughs> uh, he was born August 20th, 1962. Greenville, California is where he lives. Uh, da, 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 da. Actor, musician, comic book writer, audiobook narrator. Uh, see, he was married once in 1989, divorced in 1997, married in 2011, separated in 2021. Only has one child. Yeah. Uh, let's see what he do has done. They're supposed to revamp Buffy, um... Uh, for Netflix some years ago, a few years ago, we still had it. Yeah. But that never came out. No, the other one came out where Buffy the Vampire Sarah was actually a blonde-headed woman. Yeah. That was supposedly the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer before Sarah Michelle Gellar came in for the TV series. Don't ask me how I remember that, but that's what I remember. And you can still find that on YouTube. Mm -hmm. The blind chick as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was one episode of the revamped version on uh, that I did see on Netflix. It was like one episode. Um, where they had Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. Um, the guy that played Oz. Not Oz. Um... Xander, and I'm like, wait a minute, Xander's character towards the final season had no eyeball, only had one eye, what the fuck just happened, I don't know. Um, had Spike in it, and I can't remember the episode, because um, Netflix for some odd reason went haywire. Hmm. Um, which I called Netflix about it. They said they were, uh, they were doing some kind of maintenance or something. Give it six hours. I went six hours to do fucking maintenance. So, well, we do have to put new stuff on. So that's going to take a little while. I gave it 
seven hours, an extra hour, turned it back on, the revamped Buffy was fucking gone. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah. Uh, and I said, okay, get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for TV, t- television stuff, there's a lot. Um, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he was also an angel as well. Yeah, a couple of episodes. Uh, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, him playing Spike was 96 episodes, recurring role in season 2 and 3, main role season 4 and 7, through 7. Yep. Uh, for Angel, it was 24 episodes. He was a guest role in Season 1 and Season 2. Main role in Season 5. Yeah. Um, he was also, in 2003, he was also in Spider-Man, the, the new animated series, as the voice of uh, Sergi. Two okay. episodes for that. I didn't know he was a comic nerd. <laughs> so something like that. Uh, I don't think see. he's a comic nerd. Probably just he was offered a role. Probably. He was also in Star Wars. Which one? The Clone Wars. As who? uh, Captain F-A-R-O is the first name. Last name is A-R-G-Y-U-S. He was a voiceover. And the episode was Cloak of Darkness. That's odd. (laughs) I mean, I remember getting tracked to it by Alex. Um, to see it. Mm. And I don't remember seeing him in that fucking movie. Uh, let's see. Well, he was a voiceover. Okay. Uh, let's see. There was another one here I just saw. Uh, the Superhero Squad Show in 2009. Mr. Fantastic. As a voiceover, and it was five episodes. Uh, let's see. Supernatural he was in, which is a TV show. Uh, Shut Up, Dr. Phil was the episode. (laughs) He played Don Starks. Uh, Let's see. Oh, he was in in 2013. He was in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Okay. Danny Highwayman, Librarian Man, voiceover, episode... Stand and deliver. I may have to go back and watch my Scooby-Doo stuff again. Uh, 2013 as well. He was in Ultimate Spider-Man as Carvac. uh, Voiceover. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, DuckTales in 2020. When the hell did they do that? They've revamped DuckTales. Uh, As... Nasfuratu. Nasfuratu? Yes. Voice miscredited as Dracula. <laughs> Episode The Tricking. Funny. <laughs> and 2020 again. Uh, Casa Grande. Don't know. And it's announced filming. Which means. Okay. I think that means it hasn't been done yet. Possibly, yeah. Video games, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 2002-2003, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Chaos Bleeds. 2009, Real Heroes, Firefighter. Uh, in 2010, he was in the DC Universe Online as Lex Luthor. 
Yeah. Okay, I have that game on my Nintendo Switch. Of course, yeah, he there, does. Of course, there was a glitch in it. I had to get rid of it and everything, but I'm going to put it back. But I did not know he he played Lex Luthor in the damn game. <laughs> Holy shit. Now I have to go back and listen to the voice even clearer. What the hell? I uh, don't know. Yeah, but for films, uh, two of them in 99 was Winding Roads, House on Haunted Hill. Mm. He was a Channel 3 cameraman. Yeah. Uh, 2002, Chance. 2007, there's three of them. There was uh, the Shadow Puppet. Or Shadow Puppets. Superman Doomsday. He played Lex Luthor's voice. Directed video, though. Uh, and the, That doesn't surprise me. And the last one was P.S. I Love You. <laughs> as John McCarthy. 2009, Dragon Ball Evolution. Okay. Lord movie? Piccolo. Okay. I remember actually seeing Dragon Ball Z, the movie. I don't remember seeing him in that fucking movie. I think it was a voiceover for uh, Lord Piccolo. What, for Dragon Ball Z Evolution? It just says Dragon Ball Evolution. Dragon Ball Evolution is part of Dragon Ball Z franchi- franchise. But yeah, I know that. It was a movie. And if I know anybody that knows the entire history of Bra- Dragon Ball Z, it is my good friend, Heavy Metal. Okay, yeah. Or in this case, as I used to know him before, in my radio days, was uh, Metal Ed. So yeah. I'm going to try to reach out to him, see if he can do uh, a live podcast show and we could talk about the Dragon Ball Z franchise and if he ever uh, knows a lot of the characters. And I'm going to ask him if, he, if uh, he's ever seen you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and the guy named Spike. If he actually did play Lord Piccolo... In Dragon Ball Evolution, so I will reach out to him on that one. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's see, another one in tw- 2015. There's two of them. He was Billy Billy Bob Joe. Uh, dudes and Dragons. As Lord Tinsley, a dragon warrior. And it's got in parentheses, working title. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. Uh, 2016, New Life, William Morton. 2018, A a Bread Factory, Part 1. And Part 2, he's placed Jason. 2019, Grief. That's time, but he has a short role. And 2021, Abrupto. Abrupto. As Les Hackle. A post-production. That means it's not been... It's not out yet. It's still being made, but it's not out yet. Yeah. So that's it for that one. Why is my thing not going up? There we go. But yeah, I thought um, him that played Spike was a better guy 
he's also he was better looking. Yeah, he's also a musician too, so he plays uh, guitar. Yeah, not only that, he's a pretty good singer. Um, I remember, I can't remember the season. It's one of the later seasons of Buffy, where everybody is basically like song. They're all they're all singing. Mm. When I first heard him sing, and I'm like, holy shit, he could sing. Yeah. Um, I think all of them are still alive, though. Huh? I think all of them still alive. Let's see. Oh yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, born April fourteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. She's forty-four, so she's a few years, few months older than me. Yeah. Nicholas Brandon. Uh, he's still alive. He's age fifty. Uh, let's see. Allison Hannigan, which was, um, oh, I can't remember her character's name now. <laughs> Damn it. Willow. That's it. Uh-huh. Willow. She's 47. She's still alive. Uh, let's see. Who's this? Charisma Carpenter. I think she played the annoying bitch <laughs> on the show. She's 50 years old, so she's still alive. Uh, let's see. Anthony Head, which I think was Buffy's uh, mentor or something, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, Giles? Yeah. 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 Surprised how his last name is just Head. Anthony Stewart Head. <laughs> He's still alive. He's 67 years old and he lives in London, England. You can tell he's uh, from England by the accent. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. We already know about David. Seth Green. He he was also on the, on the TV series Buffy. Which is which is also he is also in the Mass Effect three trilogy, or Mass Effect trilogy, yeah, as Joker and he he's awesome. But some of the stuff that that he gave him for lines, if you keep playing that game over and over and over again and try to switch it up, it just sounds so stupid. <laughs> he's also on Robot Chicken and DC Comic Specials. Which is pretty good. He's also an American actor, producer, writer, and director. He should have directed some of Mass Effect mm -hmm. for his own character. James, Mark, Bolkas. I don't know who he played in Vuppy the Vampire Slayer. He's still alive, and he's right here in our own backyard mm. from Butler, Pennsylvania. And he is 49 years old. Uh, Emma. Emma Ford. She's 48 and she's alive. I think she took over later on in the seasons as, as the annoying bitch as well. Oh, um. I can't be sure. I can't remember her name either. 
And then there's Michelle. I can't pronounce her last name, but it's T-R-A-C-H-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. She's almost looks like the resemblance of um, Shannon Doherty. Uh. Almost a spitting image. And then we have Amber Benson. She's 44, and she's still alive. So everybody from the cast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, is still alive. I know. None of them are dead. <laughs> oh, fun fact. After I saw uh, Conjuring 3, I had to go to um, Walmart because I had to pick up a few things. Ran into two people that know my brother Richie. One, because yeah, on the first, I forgot a few things, and then I think it was like the third, I remembered, oh shit, I forgot something. I said, don't worry about it, I'll get it Friday. I did. That's <laughs> um, what happens when my brain doesn't want to work right, and having long term, short term memory loss. I keep Just telling like, you to start fucking writing shit down. I actually did have it right, written down. But when I was cleaning, I threw the damn thing out. I was like, son of a bitch. And I, <laughs> and I tried to train it to keep remembering. And then just that day, fuck, forgot it. <laughs> Until the um, third and I remembered, oh, shit, I needed dish towels. I ran into two people that know my brother. One, Shane. Which everybody called them, uh... Snake Eyes. The next one was Nick. Which took me a little bit to remember who Nick was. And I said, oh, now I remember you. You fucked him over. Why the fuck are you in front of me? He's like, well... Um... He... What to say what... I don't know what the fuck he was going to say. He went to say something. And then he just turned around and ran. I don't know why. Um, Snake Eyes. Which I'm going to call him. Because that's what he likes being called. Said, um... I saw you leaving the movie theater. Yeah. I was seeing a movie because I had to do a review on it for my podcast. Why? He's like, what movie did you see? Conjuring 3. He's like, is it any good? Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I mean, for my standards, three and a half. He's like, well, when it comes to horror, you are a bit hard to please. I went, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I am a bit hard to please. (laughs) Um, I go, so what the hell are you doing down here? And don't tell me, oh, you just thought, oh, you're going to run into me. He just put his head down like this. I went, he set you down here, didn't he? How many fucking people does he have down here? 
He's like, you know, I asked him the same question, and he said enough. I went, yeah, that's his, that's his answer for, for him to know, for only him to know. He goes, he has been watching, um, he has been watching your, um, podcast after, uh, he sees that it's dropped and he can watch the whole thing. I go, I go, what, his schedule is that fucked up? He's like, to be honest, I ain't gonna say this to him, because he'll probably kill me. Um, the way he explained it, it's not safe right now. What the fuck's going on? Because you know, I'll find out. And he should know I'll find out. He's like, the way he said it to me, Um, don't worry about it. He knows I hate it. Hate that. Um. And he's like, kinda did a look, did a uh, look down. He goes, are you losing weight? To be honest, I thought I was gaining weight. He's like, no, by the shorts you're wearing, and I know those are his, because he gave them to you, look, they're a little bit big on you. They've always looked big on me. I mean, I would have worn Alex's shorts, but his... I had a hard time trying to really squeeze into them. And I put Richie's on. Because I know they were the same same weight. They were the same size. And his fit just fine. He's like, don't smack me for this. For some odd reason, Alex liked his... his shorts and his jeans to feel a little bit tighter on him. I don't know why. I thought so, but I don't know. That's a little fun fact. I said, go back home. I'm sending you back up with a black eye. He's like, hey, I was sent down here to check on you. I go, he has Mike on his Facebook. You could easily ask him. He's like, well, I said the same thing, and the way he said it, it's not safe for either one. He's trying to be the bigger, t- bigger, t- bigger guy. My mother around? He's like, to be honest, no one's seen her. She might have just 
gem ship finally. Be honest, I hope she fell off a cliff. <laughs> He's like, you know what's funny? He said that same line to her several months ago. No one's seen her since. I wonder if she took I don't think advice. he did. I don't think she did. I would have uh, felt it. I would have felt her energy. Um, let's see. Moving on. The Walking Dead. Why? 2010 through the present and still going. Based on Robert Kirkman's comic book series, The Walking Dead, focuses on a group of survivors' efforts to find safety. After the aftermath of, the, of a zombie apocalypse, the series has generated multiple spin-offs and during its third season. It became the first cable program to have the highest viewership of any fall TV show. Okay. I know I'm probably going to get some flack for this. But if you've seen one motherfucking zombie thing once, you've seen them all. It's the same goddamn shit. A, fuck, a fucking zombie outbreak happens. There's like four, six people. Not a, not infected. Trying to do whatever to survive. It's the same fucking shit in every fucking movie. It's the same shit in the fucking TV series. Let's see. But not... Back, I know. 2007 to 2008. I don't think I heard of that one. But then again, it's an anime. Anime series, Bacano, I think I'm saying it right, opens during America's prohi uh, prohibition era when two bottles in mortality. Elixir fall into the hands of Manhattan gangsters. Told, told in out-of-order sequences, the mayhem of the show ultimately brings together an eclectic group of outlaws, alchemists, and immortal beings. And that only lasted for like a year. So how does that Part of the best horror TV shows. Okay. Um, next we have The Kingdom. 1994 through 1997. Created by acclaimed filmmaker Lars von Trier. This Danish show is set in the... In the Neurosurgical wing of Copenhagen's main hospital. There, the staff and patients encounter bizarre supernatural phenomena. In 2004, 
Stephen King developed an American series based on it called Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital. Uh, Helsing Ultimate. 2006 to 2012. Eh. Although the manga series, Helsing, was originally adapted to be an anime in 2001, a second adaption called Helsing Ultimate began airing just five years later. Like its predecessor, the show follows a British organization dedicated to fighting uh, supernatural threats. To be to me to be honest, they made the character of Helsing look a little too look a little too dark. Dracula slash vampire type. Dracula slash warlock type. That's what the character looked like to me. Invader Zim. Why does that sound like something from fucking Robot Chicken? 2001 to 2006. Invader Zim centers an alien called Zim Voiced by Richard Stephen Horvitz. Probably another reason Richie can't stand his first name. <laughs> Who aims to to conquer Earth with the help of his robot servant, Gurr. Uh, Rosark Ricky Simmons. Not to be confused with Richard Simmons. Or Richard Simmons from KISS. However, paranormal investigator Dib, played by Andy Berman, sets out to stop his every move. In 2001, Invader Zim... Why the fuck am I going in and out? Shouldn't be. Well, I am. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine on this side. Invader Zim. Okay, there it goes. Okay. Won an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in animation. I'm sorry. Just by what I read. Stupid. And don't forget, we are going we are wireless here. Yes, I know. So that's probably why. Okay. Next is Parasite, the Maxim. 2014 to 2015. Another anime. With Parasite the ma maxim begins. High schooler, I know I'm gonna butcher this one. 
Shinichi Izumi's, played by Nubanika Shimazaki, right hand becomes possessed by an alien parasite who feeds on people. While trying to coexist with the alien, he's forced to fight off other parasites hungry for human flesh. Okay. Just by that, sounds stupid. And just to let you know, since you said Kiss, yeah. the band, uh, there's no Richard Simmons mention in here. You were thinking of Gene Simmons. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's the only Simmons in there. Amongst with Paul Stanley, Eric Singer, that was and my fault. Tommy Thayer. Next, we have Kingdom. 2019 to the present, so that's still going. Kingdom is set during Korea's Joseon uh, period. It follows Crown Prince Lee Chang, played by Ju Ji Hoon, as he investigates the spread of, of a mysterious plague. As the royal dynasty runs the risk of being overthrown, they learn that plague victims are becoming bloodthirsty zombies. Scrumptious. <sighs> Ash versus Evil Dead. <laughs> okay. I can see why that's um, part of the 50 best horror TV shows. 2015 to 2018. Wish they had more than just three seasons. 20 years a after the third Evil Dead uh, Army of Darkness film was released. Bruce Campbell repraised his role as the zombie sl slain hero Ash, the Star series acted as a sequel to Sam Raimi's popular horror franchise. Was a really good show. I'm glad I got all three. Just said they didn't do four. Yeah, I know. I mean, the end of the third season was hoping it wasn't going to stop when it did. Spoiler alert. His hand is redone. He's alive. And the car, which is actually Sam Raimi's car, drives off with him and whatever chick that's with him. And has the license plate. Uh, Hail to the king. Thought that was actually funny. But sucks they couldn't get another season in. Supernatural. Uh, another show that outlived its purpose. 2005... 
to to the shit sandwich from last year. So it's actually done with. In Supernatural, brothers Sam, Jared Padalecki, and Dean, Jensen Ackles, hunt ghosts, demons, and other super uh, paranormal beings that roam the United States. In its 11th season debut, oh, sorry, when its 11th season debuted, the show became the longest-running live-action American sci-fi TV show. Yeah, it did. But I bet you 10 to 1 it didn't beat The Simpsons. Because that shit's still going. On Sundays, though. Sunday nights. Mushi Chi. I think it's just sprained by tongue. 2005 to 2006, another anime series. Mushi Chi. An 18th century man named Ginku. Or Jinku, however you want to pronounce it. Played by Yuto Nakano. Befriends a primitive creature known as Mushi. <laughs> In each episode, the duo travels to new places to research Mushi and help people who are suffering from supernatural occurrences. That sounds stupid, just by from what I read. Okay, inside number nine. That's actually the TV show. Inside number nine. 2014 through the present. So that's still going too. Each episode of this dark British dark comedy anthology takes place in a building or apartment marked by the number nine. The horror tales unfold with different casts in each episode, with settings ranging from a teacher's one-bedroom apartment to a historic village where a witch hunt is taking place. With just by that, that made no sense to me. Another anime, Mob Psycho 100. 2016 through the present, so that's still going also. This anime follows middle schooler Shigeo Kagiyama, played by Sasuo Aito, a high school boy trying to conceal his increasing psychic powers. He works as an assistant to a con man in hopes of learning to control his abilities, but continues to run into trouble because of them. It sounds stupid too. Uh, another something about Hitchcock. Hitchcock, sorry. Alfred Hitchcock presents 1955 through 1962. 
by the time that Alfred Hitchcock Presents premiered, the acclaimed director had been working for over 30 years. At the beginning of each episode, Hitchcock introduces a standalone mystery thriller. In 2014, Time Magazine named it as one of the 100 best TV shows of all time. I wonder if that's how Murder, She Wrote came about. I'll be surprised. I will be surprised if this is that's not on here. Garth. Oh God, butchering this one. Magrid cheese. Let me try that again. Ma, Rin. Okay, Ma Ringies. Dark Place, 2004. Well, I only had one season. So guess what? That was a miniseries. And this British prodigy of 80s horror television, Dr. Daglas. That's a character name you don't want to be uh, named or go for. Played by Matthew Holness. Rome's a Romfield hospital trying to solve mysteries. Coincidentally, the hospital happens to be situated over the gates of hell. The show eventually generated a spin-off spoof chat show called Man to Man with Dean Lerner. Stupid, stupid. What We Do in the Shadows is the next show, 2019 through the present. Okay, so this has been going for about a f three years, maybe. Inspired by uh, Teika Waititi's acclaimed 2014 mockumentary of the same name. What We Do in the Dark Oh, what? No. And What We Do in the Shadows offers a look into the lives of three vampires living together in Staten Island. It was nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series at, two th at the Shit Sandwich last year's Primetime Emmy Awards and has featured guest stars like Mark Hamill, Tilda Swinton, Waititi himself. Uh, another one that's been out for three years, about three years now. Love, Death, and Robots. 2019 to the present. Uh, Tim Dennis of Darkness Radio must be flinching just by knowing about this one. This animated anthology is a collection of short stories that span genres like horror, science fiction, and comedy. Stories range from a plot for world domination by super intelligence yogurt to an exploration of how robots live in a post-apocalyptic city. The series is a reimagining of David Fincher 
in Tim Miller's long time in development reboot of the 1981 film Heavy Metal. And of course, Hannibal. 2013 to 2015. Based on Thomas Harris's novels, Hannibal focuses on the relationship between psychiatrist and secret cannibal. Hannibal Lecter, played by Matt Mickelson and Will and Will Graham, Hugh Dancy, an FBI profiler with an uncanny ability to emphasize with serial killers. The series gained a strong cult following. It was noted for its distinctly gory, yet lavish, visual style. That's basically either a prequel to... Um... Prequel to either Silence of the Lambs or the movie Hannibal. Berserk is the next show, 1997 through 1998. Berserk's fo- Berserk follows Guts, played by Nubarushi Kana, an orphaned warrior who serves as a member of a mercenary group called the Band of the Hawk. Led by the charismatic Griffith, played by Toshiyuki Marikawa, the group fights its way into the royal court and becomes dangerously entangled with the royal family. Of course, now we're going to the bottom ten. Number 10 is The X-Files, 1993-2018. to The X-Files revolves around two FBI partners, Dana Scully, played by Gillian Anderson, a medical doctor and skeptic, and Mo- Fox Mulder, played by David Devonicani. De- uh, Oh, no, wait, sorry. David Duchovny. Who play, who believe in alien. Who believed in aliens and paranormal life. The two work together on a titular X-Files cases relating to unexplained events spanning the United States. The, the series was one of the longest-running science fiction shows on U.S. network TV history, leading to two movies and two revival seasons in 2016 and 2018. Okay, number nine, The Promised Neverland. Just by that name, it looks stu- sounds stupid. 2019 to the present. So that's been going for the past three years or so. In the promised Neverland, a group of kids 
at an orphanage are forced to run for their lives after learning that they're being raised to be butchered as meat for demons. Although a second season was meant to debut in October of last year's shit sandwich, it was postponed to January this year because of the shit sandwich. Uh, I forgot this was a fucking show. The Haunting of Hill House, 2018. So that just Basically, it was a uh, miniseries. Loosely inspired by Shirley Jackson's 1959 novel, The Haunting of Hill House flashes between 1992 and the present as the Crane family confront memories of the trauma they endured in their old haunted home when tragedy strikes. It conceived high critical acclaim with the Telegraph's Corrine Corridus calling it the most complex and complete horror series of its time. If that's the case, then why the fuck did it only have one season? Somebody explain it to me. Number 7, Attack on Titan, 2013 to the present, so that's still going Attack on Titan opens in a world where giant humanoid titans have brought humanity to the brink of destruction. After his mother is killed and his hometown is demolished, protagonist Evren Yeager, played by Yuki Kaji, sets out to destroy the creatures through the scout regiment. Sites like Polygon, IGN, and Crunchyroll don't have. If it's if you're, nope, no wait. If you hear or see anything that says Crunchyroll, stay away from it. <laughs> Listed. The series among the best anime shows of the 2010s. Number six Twin Peaks 1990 through 2017. In David Lynch's, I'm pretty sure he's not related to my husband, Twin Peaks FBI agent. Dale Cooper, played by Kyle Macla Mac Lachlan, investigates the murder of a teenage girl, Cheryl Lee, in the strange town of Twin Peaks. The series had an indelible impact on television dramas thanks to its ambitious style, murder mystery, and paranormal tones. It went on to influence shows ranging from Lost to Riverdale. It wasn't too bad at first, but then it just got blah. Number five. No, at the bottom five. 
dark. That's just what the sh what the show's name is. Dark. 2017 to the shit sandwich of last year. In dark, two children's disappearances exposed the dark supernatural history of a German small town. Notably, this was the first German language original series produced for Netflix. No wonder I didn't watch it. If I'm going to re watch something, it's going to be straight out. Not a whole different language. Do the whole fucking thing and you have to read subtitles. If I'm going to read something, it's going to be a book. Or if I'm looking something up on the internet, it's the only way I'm reading something. Uh, number four, Black Mirror. It usually was on the back of the mirror. <laughs> black. 2011 through the present, so it's still going. Each episode, Netflix's hit anthology, takes place in a near future where technology has a twisted, questionable impact on the people using it. Some of the topics explored include social media influencers. Tim Dennis's favorite word that he likes to spew. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> that mouth breathers. <laughs> Morons. And people think, oh, AI's actually gonna happen. Dun, 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 dun. And virtual reality. Black Mirror has won eight Emmy Awards, including three consecutive wins. 2017 through 2019, in the Outstanding Television Movie category. Damn! Uh-huh. I'm so fucking tired of hearing about this fucking show. Stranger Things. 2016 through the present, so that's still going. Not saying it w it's a bad show. It's a good show, but to me, it looked a little more like fucking X-Files-ish. Except it's kids. <laughs> what a boy played by Noah Sh uh, Schlamp I think that's how you pronounce his last name disappears in a small Indian Indiana town its residents uncover supernatural conspiracies and threats that seem to tie back to one young girl Millie Bobby Brown okay with psychic powers. Drawing heavily from 80s sci-fi movies. Did I just... Stranger Things is one of Netflix's most popular original series. It has received 39 Primetime Emmy Award nominations. 
Damn. Of course, six wins out of the 39. <laughs> six wins and three seasons have aired thus far. Number two, Gravity Falls. 2012 to 2016. Another anime, I think. Either anime or just a cartoon off a cartoon network. Gravity Falls centers on two siblings. Dipper. <laughs> what kind of fucking name would you want to actually voice? Dipper. <laughs> Played by Jason Ritter. John Ritter's son. And Mabel Pines. Kristen Schlale. I think I butchered her name, but I don't care. Who spent a summer at Grinkle Stands. Alex Kirsch. Alex Hirsch. Their great uncle's uh, tourist trap. In the idiosyncratic Gravity Falls, Oregon, when Dipper finds a cryptic journal, the siblings scramble to uncover the town's secrets and the dangerous paranormal forces threatening it. Fucking stupid. Do I have to say more? Number one. One of Pyramid Mike's shows that he actually liked watching. You always will watch it every single time you've told me it. Every season, every episode. Yeah, there was... Um, there was Ghost Hunters at one time. Now, then there this was... is way back... Way back. How far back are we talking about? <laughs> talking Tina. That was not one of mine. That was your brother's Alex's. The Twilight Zone. I've only seen a few of them. And I thought it was stupid. Well, it's number one. Your brother Alex liked it better than I did. <laughs> 1959... To 1964. Hosted by iconic creator Rod Serling, this hit anthology show tells stories about supernatural events that often carry underlining social and moral messages. In 2016, the show ranked number seven on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest TV shows of all time. <laughs> Paramite going, no. It was bullshit to me. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Let Paramite read uh, some stuff. Mm -hmm. what the flop? 
uh, I should say, uh, deceased relative fucking with my fucking hair again. <laughs> How I know? Because if the touch felt cold, a little bit cold. Wow. Asshole. Let me get my ghetto phone microphone in here. Hmm? So let me get my ghetto microphone in here. <laughs> yes, people, I'm still using the ghetto-style microphone. His mic stand broke. Yeah. It sucked. Okay, I mentioned earlier about government and UFOs and crap, and it was actually proven. Yes. By a certain armed forces, and that armed forces happened to be the Navy. One of their ships and all their crew members actually caught on their radar UFOs flying around the damn ship. Now, we all know the Roswell incident all the way down in Mexico. And he's been putting it out there ever since until the day he died. And people kept on saying that he was a nutcase, a Fruit Loop. A person just just looking for cash. No. Roswell was actually getting the truth out there. And yes, UFOs have been visiting the planet. And they've also been hiding on the planet. And everything like that. So a former Pentagon leader who yes, revealed... Yes, people, you just saw me roll my eyes. Actually, they didn't see that. Hold on. Huh? Actually, they didn't see that because I put you off. <laughs> now you're on. There you go. There's her eyes rolling. Now she's going bye-bye. As you can see, my little one in the back. I think that's my little one. Huh? That's my little one. That's that's monkey in the background. I guess he's <laughs> all done with his uh, fresh moo-moo. There he is. You can see him. He's right there. Yeah. Right he's about there. to lay in his son, I think. I guess he's all done with his moo-moo. Or he's looking out the window looking for Chirpy. Either one. But I think he's all done with his moo-moo since I had to give him a fresh bowl and a fresh moo-moo because his other moo-moo that was in the fridge decided to curdle. He means, cur he means milk. Uh, the only reason we have to talk baby language is because it's the only way Patches uh, understands milk. Yeah, call it moo-moo. So she goes back off again. Uh, former Pentagon leader who revealed UFOs evidence accuses government of smear campaign. Former national security official who blew the whistle on reports of UFOs claimed the Pentagon tried to smear his reputation and discredit him. So the government could continue to cover up details about unexplained aerial phenomenon. Fucking Pentagon bastards. Lou E. I can't pronounce his last name, so that's what I'm going to do. A former head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. In other words, AATIP. Filed the 64-page complaint with the Pentagon's Inspector General on May 3rd, according to Politico. Several internet bloggers were notified. 
that I had no duties regarding AATIP and that AATIP did not involve the study of UAPs. Mr. E reportedly told the IG, As a result, the bloggers began to dismantle reporting accusing me of being a fabricator. Fuck you, bloggers. You're more stupid like Neanderthals. The complaint also said a senior official warned E he would tell people you are crazy and it might impact your security clearance, according to the article. He was right there with Oswald. Or Rockwell. Sorry. Why am I saying why am I thinking his name was Oswald at the time? Uh, the negative actions against me have resulted in great personal and professional challenges to me and my family. Mr. E's complaint reportedly read, Mr. E alleges, or allegations, of a coordinated character assassination come as Washington officials are set to present Congress with a report detailing everything the government knows about UFOs. Congress is a waste of fucking time because they're a bunch of Neanderthal idiots. The mundane was attached to December's 2000 or 2.3 trillion COVID-19 bill. And Pentagon officials have since acknowledged that footage of three UFOs harassing Navy ships off the coast of California is authentic. Yes, the Navy crew members of the ship off the coast of California that authenticated it saw it on their damn radars. Luckily, one of them, and that's a Navy officer, had a camera and started to record the screen it was a big circle it's a radar machine that can detect anything this thing detected UFOs flying around the damn ship a lot of the other crew members were up on deck and they saw the damn things flying around they too even took a camera up there and saw one of the UFOs hit the water and disappeared you can find that on YouTube just go to the California's news site and everything of whatever news crews are out in California that saw this and picked it up. You can watch the whole damn thing. Mr. E's lawyer told Politico, the main goal of this, of his complaint, is to pressure the Pentagon to come clean about close encounters of the third kind. Pentagon has never been clean. They're a bunch of dirty rats. Nobody seems to be taking this thing seriously. Daniel Sheehan reportedly said of his client's grievances, the different units and different groups that are responsible for responding to this particular phenomenon, they're not briefing each other on this. 
cares? Why would you brief them? Because they're fucking Neanderthals. <laughs> the Defense Department's Inspector General did not issue a comment about the complaint, but launched an investigation into the Pentagon actions on UFOs the same day it was filed. Oh, does somebody have them by their nuts? I hope so. The objective of this evaluation is to determine the, the extent to which the DOD, Department of Defense, has taken action regarding unidentified aerial phenomenons, AU, UAPs. Which I don't know why they wouldn't mark it like that when it's always been UFO. UFO. Now they're, now they're putting it as UAP. What the hell? Uh, UFOs are real. Feds cover up fueled by fear. Ex-Pentagon whistleblower. Of course. Just like Area 51. Oh, Area 51 doesn't exist. Yes, they do because they have extraterrestrial shit in there. Mr. E has been outspoken about his discredited former role in the Pentagon after retiring in 2017. There are some people in the Pentagon that still don't like me very much. Fuck them. I think they're pissed at me for the way I left, he told the Post last month. In an interview where he offered a hopeful preview of the upcoming UFO report. Mr. E said he thinks it will be an interim report with all the unknowns laid out and not a bombshell, but he warned lawmakers should take the findings seriously. I agree. Due to the fact that I saw it on YouTube and I saw it on the California News Network and I was like, holy shit, it's real. Ta-da, there's the fucking proof assholes. Will the Pentagon actually come clean? Will somebody in there actually release the information of UFOs they have collected over goddamn knows how long? My opinion, no, because they will say fuck you to the people that want to know. They're UFOs. Still coming up and causing aviation havoc. They're getting in the middle of aviation operations, and that's dangerous. Well, no shit. Mr. East interviewed military eyewitnesses who encounter UFOs on an almost daily basis, which is quotationed. And spoke to the post of vehicles detected flying 43,200 miles per hour and turning on a dime. Mr. E said officials need to take the threat of UFOs seriously. The level of interest is reaching a critical mass, he said. I think government officials realizing that. It would be like putting the cat back in the bag or like putting toothpaste back in the tube. I like that analogy. <laughs> now that the government has acknowledged the reality 
of Unexplained Aerial Phenomenons, UAP, it's going to be real hard to backtrack. Maybe we're going to realize that we thought were monsters are really just our neighbors. I seriously would like to interview this guy myself on a live podcast show right here and ask him so many questions that I have in my head right now that are running. It's called a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think we need a bigger boat. (laughs) But yeah, you could actually legitimately find any news outlet in California with this story either on their website or look it up on YouTube and everything and actually see the Navy actually record this from their radar screens and from being on the deck of the goddamn ship, seeing a UFO UFO hitting fucking water and disappearing and flying around the damn ship. I believe it's real because there's no way you could fucking fake that shit. And back then, the Pentagon keeps on saying, oh, the radars won't be able to pick that up. There's nothing on the radars. It's been The radar had a bug in it. Excuse me? It was proven. Multiple, multiple, multiple fucking times ever since fucking Roswell. Yeah. That did it. And... That's how Area 51 came about. Yeah, I know. That's how the Pentagon came about, and they have every single freaking piece of paper known that they're the little tiny dicks. Fireworks. I hate those. <laughs> keep going off almost around this time of night. Due to the fact that it's 13 minutes after 8, and they keep blowing fireworks for the last three nights. She's driving me nuts. It's driving me nuts. It is that time of year. And it's scaring the little one that's behind me, which is right now off screen. Are you kidding? He's sleeping. I know, but he's behind me. didn't even wake him. I'll wait till a loud bang. You'll see him go. (laughs) Trust me, I've seen that already. Uh, But yeah, UFOs are real. It's called a plane. Need a bigger boat. <laughs> so that's that. sorry. I'm. I believe in the paranormal. So do I. But a couple of things that I am skeptical on. Oh shit! Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Any type of fucking origin of Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Yeti. UFOs and aliens. Only two I'm skeptical on. Because with Bigfoot, it's always someone in the fucking suit. UFOs. It's a fucking plane. (laughs) UFOs and aliens, I don't... I'm very skeptical on. And I'm probably going to get hammered later going, what are you, a fucking other Zach Bangs? That or you're going to get dinged by Dave Schrader. Huh? 
That or you'll get dinged later on by Dave Schrader. No. About it because he believes He's in Gettysburg it. right now yeah, doing I know an that. event, so he ain't getting back to me. I know that, but if he sees this on his, on his uh, wall, I, nah. guarantee, I guarantee you probably somewhere after midnight or so or 3 in the morning, your, your phone's going to be pinged and like he'll be saying, What the fuck are you talking about? No. You folds are real. I want to see one. <laughs> I'll be right there with him. I'll be standing next to the guy. I don't care how I get out there. I'll walk if I have to. There's no way you're going to make it. Not from here to Gettysburg, there's no way you make it on foot. Oh, no, no, no. By the time you got there, the event would be over with. Yeah, like four four months later. Can't fucking... <laughs> I w- we would have would have gone to the event, but... I didn't even know he was coming here. It. I didn't even know he was actually going to be coming here to uh, PA. Because he normally says it. He normally puts out a, a Facebook Live thing or a tweet and everything. And it was nothing. I came across it last night and I was like, holy shit, he's here? Well, we haven't really had uh, the time to listen to Darkness Radio either. True. But no, he he was he was out in Gettysburg for the for like what he posted on Facebook, a mini holster files. Yeah. And he had his uh uh one of his members uh Pittman there. I can't I forgot what his first name was, but I was watching it and I thought it was kind of hilarious due to the fact that these guys go almost everywhere in the holster files case, which is yeah. kind of cool. And then I, I found on YouTube, uh, I think it was season one, episode ten, and I watched the whole thing. And it was it was weird, although I have some concerns with it, and I still have some questions about it because something really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And everything. And you know, if we can ever get Dave on on our podcast show, I would love to ask him about that episode since it's stuck in my head. Then I found another one of Dave Schrader, Pittman, and Cindy, the psychic medium there, and they were standing in like a parlor sort of archway, and Dave Schrader was asking um, for some signs. He said the person's name and everything. And then I had to keep going over and over and over again because he said that he got picked up and thrown. Now, when I first was watching it, I saw his left arm get indentation into it and just pushed really, really hard. I was like, holy shit, he got pushed. I go back over it um, earlier today. And I had to, like, literally kind of download it and kind of do my little things with it through my one of my video programs. And I literally had to zoom in on his feet. And, yes, he did get picked up about four inches off the ground. And I went back to the thing, the normal video. I'm, like, looking at him like, okay, now I can see his feet getting lifted off the ground f- about four inches. And then his left shoulder just gets pushed in and printed in, and he goes right into Mr. Pittman. I was like, holy crap. That was nuts. And Dave could not figure out why. 
I've I've seen Dave in on Ghost Adventures a few times. Oh yeah. I've never seen him like I did in that video. Yeah. Where he said he got picked up. Yeah. And thrown. When yet you just look at the video, you can see the indentation of his left arm just gets smushed in, and he just goes. Yeah, I know. And I was just telling everybody that I had to like download the video, zoom in with my program on his feet, and yeah, he did get lifted up about four inches. I told you. And then go. Got lifted up, then slammed. And then go back, side by side, where I still had zoomed on his feet, where he got lifted up about four inches, and his left arm. He got picked up all right, but his left arm got indentation like he was just pushed. Yeah. Because you can't really tell from the regular video that his feet left the ground. It looks like his feet were still on the ground, but his left arm got indentationed. Yeah. And he just went, wee! That was it. I have concerns on that part of the video as the other one that we saw, which was Season 1, Episode 10. I have... Some concerns, I have some questions, and I really need to figure this out with Dave's help. Maybe I can <laughs> even help him. I was like, uh, something doesn't sound right here. Well, um, as many times if we've listened to Dave um, talk about his experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. He's always had that question... Um, you have a lot of experiences, but Zach Bagans, half the time he's in a situation where, in a place where it's either demonic or dark. Right. And Zach's usually one of the first that gets attacked by it. And well, I think between one Zach and answer Aaron, I that think... he gave to someone at a convention was... That's never happened to me. Yeah. Now he could say it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although I, th- I think it's it's with him and Aaron in demonic locations or well, really Zach, creepy he's... ass locations. Yeah. It's like almost it's like which one do I want to play with? <laughs> do I want to fuck up, fuck up Zach, or do I want to fuck up Aaron? Zach's. Uh... Because it's like almost every episode that we that we have. Yeah. And the new ones that are out. We haven't seen yet, though. Right. We haven't seen yet because it's on a lot of them on Discovery Plus. A lot of them haven't even been released yet. And people want to actually are telling us, hey, get it. It's, it's like... It's like one week, the yeah. spirits would want to fuck with Zach. Another week... Another episode comes out, they want to fuck with Aaron. Another one, they want to fuck with Jay. Well, no, no, no. It's it's like one week Zach, one week Aaron. A one, one, another week, which would be like the third week, it'd be like both of them. Yeah. An, an, the fourth week, which would be the, be the entire month. It would be Billy. It would be Zach again. Yeah. In a new month, for another episode, it would be... Then switch to like okay we've we've I've seen other spirits I've known other spirits because I'm in that realm. They fuck with Zach. They fuck with Aaron. Okay, who who do we want to fuck with? It'll be Billy. Yeah. Next. Then another week it'll be Jay. And then another week. Not it'll so be... much with Jay because Joe Jay. Bleh. 
Rewind. <laughs> Take a shot. Jay, he's more protected because he wears his um, his protection stuff. So he's more protected, so he doesn't get as much attacked. I mean, it's like with me. Well, if I wear. Well, the Adobe house, his his protections broke. I, and after yeah, that, I haven't seen his protections around his neck. I think you're talking about the Saint Anne's retreat, when when Jay didn't have him on it. Yeah, but they broke during the Adobe. When Jay was being uh, initial initialized. Oh. To become uh, part of Ghost of Finch's crew and being <laughs> a member of Zach, yeah, Ma- yeah. Zach, Aaron, and Billy. Because he had his protections on him. Yeah, I know. During the interviews. But then the next night when they went to go investigate that entire thing without cameras being inside, which was a bad move, by the way, in yeah. my opinion... Well, it, if his you have no cameras... His broke off of his neck, and he didn't have any type of protections on him, and he went in. Oh, yeah. But he goes into a trance. Right. Uh, it's... I mean, technically, with Jay, we don't know what his uh, protection necklaces are, because he always keeps them hidden. Right. Um, I mean, the difference between that and me, when I put my pentagram on, you'll show it. I, it's wide open. It's wide, right up in the open. I don't give a shit. Right. The second one that Alex gave me, I show it too. Yep. Um, in fact, I actually had it. Um, with me Friday. Had both of them on me Friday. Yep. And I didn't think of it, but Snake Eyes um, actually said it looked like uh, the pentagram symbol and the second one were like glowing. He didn't say what they were, but he just said they looked like they were glowing. Um, but getting back to with Zach and him being attacked, Zach is more is more confrontational and more provocative. So it's you can see Zach actually be more attacked because he provokes it. <clears throat> Aaron, he doesn't normally pro- he didn't normally provoke it uh, when he fir- when they first started. Yeah, he was. He but was like the once scared they kitten. were in, um, oh shit, uh, the Winchester house the first time, Aaron provoked it, and he's never done that. Right. That was from Bob <laughs> Mackey's. Zach the fuck out. <laughs> that was from Bob Mackey's when they did that triangle. No, Bob Mackey's was the first one, dear. No, when, when Aaron, Zach were at 
the Winchester house. Yeah, they were doing the three. They were they were doing the triangle thing. Phone call. Yeah, when Aaron did what he did, it was directed to Bob Mackey's. Yeah, I know. That's why Aaron went what he did. I know. That's all started from Bob Mackey's. From Winchester House to Bob Mackey's, from Bob Mackey's to the Winchester House. That's when Aaron went. <laughs> he provoked it. Yeah, he provoked. Since then, he's been. He provoked it from the Winchester House to Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. That's where that went to. See. But we all know Aaron's still a bit of a chicken shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first time he did it, he, you know, he was a scared kitten. Oh, yeah. He's like, I don't want to do this tomorrow. And he left the show this. for a bit. And then coming back to Bob Mackey's, that's when he pops back up. I'm like, what? <laughs> you just said it in a documentary that you didn't want to be doing that kind of crap. It wasn't for you. You were you were a scared kitten, and you just like, no, I don't want to do it no. Bye. But he ya. came back. But you came back during Bob Mackey's. <laughs> first season, first episode. <laughs> what? I thought that was funny. <laughs> but the funny thing is, from the first season, the first episode, Bobby Mackey's, Zach provokes it. He gets scratched. And he Aaron was only doesn't get still. scratched. Aaron doesn't get scratched. Doesn't get scratched until he get. Uh, they go to Iona, California. Aaron gets scratched. Yeah, Preston Castle. Yeah, Aaron gets scratched there. And he wasn't even provoking. No, he which, was just which, calm. Which to me, it, it, it it's still. To me, it's still unexplainable. And like, yeah. okay, Zach provokes, Nick provokes. Zach gets scratched. Nick got punched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Aaron was the neutral person that wasn't provoking whatsoever, and he yeah. got the three scratches on the back of his calf. Yeah. And I'm like trying to figure out, I was like, okay, how the hell does this work? If it's almost like... Everybody says that if you provoke a demon, provoke a spirit... Dark. Provoke an entity, something that that's not there, but it's there. If you don't provoke it, you're going to be fine. Oh yeah. But if you provoke it, uh, you're going to get fucked up. That's bullshit. You don't have to provoke to get fucked up. No, no, no. Follow me on this, okay? If you don't provoke it, you're fine. You're fine. Nothing happens to you. You provoke it. If you provoke it, you get fucked up. <laughs> exactly. Zach got scratched for provoking at Bobby Mackey's. Oh, yeah. Nick got scra- uh, punched at whatever area they were at. I, f- I can't remember offhand. I, th- uh, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it was a lunatic asylum or if it was uh, just a regular asylum. And I'm not talking about transgany people. There's a bunch of other lunatic asylums around. <laughs> they all look the same almost. <laughs> and Aaron, out of all of them, has not provoked yeah. whatsoever until Penhurst, I think it was, yeah. in California, that school there. Yeah. He got scratched. scratched. 
And he didn't even provoke. I'm like, wait a second. If you provoke it, you get fucked up. You don't provoke it, you're fine. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, he didn't provoke it, but he got scratched and he got fucked. Coming back to the first one where, okay, did he provoke? Did he provoke an entity during a commercial break, maybe? No. Or did he provoke off-camera from Zach and Nick's when they were some, um, you know, a little further in from where Aaron was standing? That's the question. I can explain that. Sometimes, um, if you're considered, like, weak, or if you're scared too easily, or if you show fear off the bat, you're going to get fucked. Which would be Aaron. Which, yeah. Aaron, he, out of, well, at the time, there was three, but now there's four of them. At the time, it was Zach, Nick, and Aaron. Zach was more of the provocative, provocative one. Right. Nick, I don't know what you want to call Nick's provoking, provoking, to be honest. Possible, but I don't think so. Aaron, he's... I mean, when we see Aaron, yeah, he's a Freddy cat. But it it's more like him trying to guard everybody else. Like, when Zack starts to provoke and Aaron tries to stop it, it means Aaron knows something's going to happen. They... they Zach and Aaron have become almost empathic to each other when they know something's going to happen. Right. Um, there was one time when um, something happened to Nick. It, they were at that brewery. Nick got a partial possessed. Oh, and he yeah. wasn't provoking either. In Savannah, he was more laid back. In Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, the, um, he was laid back, and the Moon Brewery. He gets partial possessed. Of course, people probably couldn't tell because of night vision. But if you know someone, their manners, the way they act, however, and you know that's them, if they do something that's entirely different from the way they sound or the way they look, that's not them. The way Zach, yeah, Zach, when Nick looked at Zach first, then at Aaron, you knew that wasn't Nick, because you could tell. Right. Well, actually, let's go back to that, because downstairs, yeah, there was the pool table. two pool tables. There was the one in um, the one room where, there, where Zach's neck started getting really pressured. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Nick was... Nick was also feeling it, too. Yeah. They did kind of provoke on a different level. Zach yeah, was, like, more but aggressive. like I said, Nick, his way Nick, of provoking. Nick was, like, 50-50. Because he, Nick knew Aaron was at the other pool table in the back. Oh, yeah. And Aaron to be was safe. fine. Trying to be safe. I, I know that one. But Nick was, like, 50-50 at the time, but... 
when he came back to the first pool table. Yeah, and he put his hands on it. He put his hands on it, he put his head down like he was drained. Yeah. And everything, and it was like, I think he was trying to either figure out, okay, how did I get drained that quick? Just by little provoking, not as much as Zach did. Yeah. But then something happened. Which was like, okay, something doesn't seem right here. Zach provoked more. Aaron's in the back, not saying a goddamn word. Nick was 50-50, but not that much 50 of provoking. More like 2% provoking. Yeah. But he gets nailed. Energy drained, but yet he wanted to hurt Zach and Aaron. But he had no energy, but somehow he had the energy. That was the weirdest part. It's like... um... Well, when they went back to people that investigated the place and showed the footage, the guy explained it clear as day. Zach, you're more confrontational. Nick is more laid back. I honestly think that guy was a Fruit Loop. Yeah, but he made a good point. Zach does a lot of provoking and confrontational. Nick... He's 50-50. He, he confronts it, but he's, he's also shies away from it. Right. That's dangerous, too. Mm, that's a good point. Another example, Pavilion Island. <laughs> One of my homes away from home. <laughs> Not the building, but <laughs> Italy itself. Yeah. Zach, of course... Nick probably thought he said it wrong, said it right, but no, he was saying, use their energy, not mine. Zach gets fucked up, energy-wise, Aaron gets a headache, their equipment stops working, or I should say the EMF meter fucking breaks. Yeah, Zach pukes. Zach automatically starts... Um, yelling at Aaron a few minutes later. Yeah, in a different part. In a different part of the building. On the island. Yeah, he starts getting mad at Aaron, yells at Aaron, Aaron's like, what the hell? Walks off, Nick's like, hey, Aaron, take this. Gets in the frame to pull Zach out of the building. Right. After freaking, after freaking Zach hits the wall. Yeah. Aaron's right there with both cameras. His and Nick's. And it's just like recording the whole damn thing. I was like, holy crap. I mean, in a way, from what they were able to gather for evidence, even though Italian government... Um, yes, there's a reason why I rolled my eyes. <laughs> Um, they're protected, protective of their country, let alone other things that could happen, could have happened years ago. So I can understand why the Italian leaders won't allow tourists to go there, let alone residents. Residents, 
they're afraid of it. Maybe for good reason. People found out why. Well, you did have the... And the funny thing leg. is, it's got a fucking bulldozer on the goddamn island. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the weird thing for me. They have a bulldozer on the damn island. They were supposed the to tear building. it down. I was like, what but the fuck? They were supposed to tear the building down, but people are afraid to go near it. Well, I know, because you had the bluplonic plague. You that, had, before the plague, they were... You had a bunch of other diseases that went around there. But yeah, when when they went there, it was kind of weird that there's a bulldozer on the island. Don't know how the hell it got there. <laughs> but you have scaffolding equipment all the way around the damn building. They were trying to... I think... Now, normally with scaffolding being put around a building, it means you're repairing it. Uh, if you have a bulldozer... On the island, you're tearing that bitch down. Means the whole you're, you're going to demolish the damn bitch. But why have a scaffold equipment all the way around the building already set up, and a fucking bulldozer at the same time? Mm. Doesn't make sense when it comes to fucking Italian people. Yeah, I know. I like to know which Italian decided to say, "Okay, we're going to put the scaffold around here, and then we're going to put the fucking bulldozer <laughs> here because we're just fucking stupid. <laughs> we don't care." I don't know. Um, if you're going to put scaffolding and a bulldozer, um, you need to evaluate your fucking job and your lifestyle. If you're just going to have a bulldozer there and no scaffolding, okay, bulldoze the fucking thing. Well, Pick again, either one, not two. Well, scaffolding again, bulldozer, you have to be a fucking Neanderthal Italian that has no brains. I'm starting to wonder that too at times. I'm sorry, I know you're a full Italian, you know, I love you and everything, so but, seriously, <laughs> but seriously, here is my point. Bulldozer, no scaffolding, fine. You're a smart fucking Italian to get rid of the fucking problem in your country. Scaffolding and no bulldozer, uh, you must be, you're going to rebuild it or refabish it, whatever, because it's an icon to your country. Scaffolding and, bulldo- an scaffolding and bulldozer at the same time on the same island? You have to be a fucking Neanderthal Italian. That is fucking stupid. Well, I know. Um... Pick one. That's what I gotta say. Because you can literally go on Google Earth. Find the area of this little island. Or big island, whatever it is, in Italy. Yeah. Here. And you could Smoke still see you could still see the building. In the entire building. Yeah. You could still see the scaffolding there. And you can still see the damn bulldozer there to this day ever since GAC went there to do their investigation. One thing And then on the opposite side, supposedly where the field is there's that little bridge that goes from Pavalia Island yeah. to the other side. But yet, they're saying that it's the whole thing is not connected to Italy itself. No. You can actually follow from the little tiny bridge that goes over to the burial site, supposedly. Yeah. 
you go to the, to the right-hand side of it, just keep following it, it's actually attached to the fucking prop, to the place where Zach, Aaron, and Nick had to take a damn boat to just to get to the island. You can still get there. You don't need a fucking boat. You can still <laughs> get there from the mainland to the fucking area. Yeah, I know, but like they said, um, I think even Jeff Belanger said it in one of his interviews, that um, the Italian government um, is not really protective of it, but they're afraid of lawsuits that they don't want, that they closed off Technically, they closed off the walking part to it. You got to take a boat. But the residents... No, no, no. They said that there was no way to get to Pavele Island by walking there. From the mainlands to there. Yeah, because they blocked that off. You have to take a boat. But here's my thing, though. When I Google mapped it, and and I looked at the whole thing, it's not blocked off. That little bridge behind the building to go where to go in the fields where there's supposedly yeah. dead body parts and stuff or the dead victims of the plague. Yeah. You can still get there from the mainlands just by going over to where the plague victims are buried, go over to the little bridge and go right onto the island. It's not blocked off. I know that. Somebody in the Italian government is a fucking Neanderthal moron. That lied to these people. Or, think about it this way. They tell residents or tourists that you can't walk to it because they don't want idiots. uh, uh, In other words, my favorite, fucking idiots that want to fuck shit up. I mean, we see it all the time. Just take down a little bridge. That's all you gotta, I gotta do. Take down a little bridge. It's not like Zach's gonna go back like 50 years later. You'd be surprised how freaking people that like to fuck shit up will try to, uh, will try to uh, figure out a way to walk on that fucking road. To get to the freaking building and fuck it up more than it is. I mean, you see it on Mosarji's shit. Um, CJ stuff. As well as Jazz. The uh, abandoned buildings that they show are all fucked up by assholes. Yeah. That's what the Italian government doesn't want like tourists to have that intention or residents that are douchebags to go off and try to fucking try to trash it that was way too late for that before uh the guys got there because we already seen the videos we saw spray paint of skulls words stuff like that all over the place i know but they were showing uh i mean at first, they would say where they were, but now they don't. Right. Because they see, just by their what they're seeing, vandalism, 
assholes yep. going and breaking everything. Yeah. That's why you see the the uh, the signs, no trespassing. Because of that reason. If like that didn't happen, you could walk freely on into it. Like Neanderthals would read. They don't know how to read yet. <laughs> no, they do. They just don't fucking want to. Exactly. They don't care. Neanderthals. I mean, it's like... I mean, with the shit sandwich that happened last year, and it's still going. I stated it before. Everybody stopped giving a damn. No one cares. Exactly. They reverted back to Neanderthals. I mean, um, I think you said um, when you were talking to Richie once, he was shocked by how people, even people that he works with, started being dickheads. And you told me about it. I didn't know you were talking to him. You didn't tell me. You told me about it in the kitchen when you went to get something to drink or something. I said, uh, welcome to the real world, bro. If you talk to Richie, say, hey, welcome. That's what the world is. It takes something that big for people to just be assholes, regardless. Even, even if it didn't happen. We still have them. Oh, yeah. But now Not since this thing has happened and we've gone, what, a year already? Past a year? Yeah, about a year. Everybody is now has turned reverted themselves into fucking Neanderthals. While yet real people are still out there. Not being Neanderthals. Not as much anymore. People that, the way you explained it to me, as Richie told you, people... That he actually trusted up there. Have turned into Neanderthals. Turned, not, they didn't really... I don't think the way you explained it to me that they turned on him necessarily. They just look out for themselves. Yeah. More than themselves or... I think you... Um, the way you explained it to me... Um, that Richie... The way you explained it, Richie was... Uh, just got off of work and he saw some guy hit a female and no one did nothing. Right. But, of course, he did. I mean, I don't know if he broke the guy's jaw or anything, but I didn't know the girl that got hit ended up being Adina. Mm. I mean, Uh, I found that out a few months ago. He didn't want to worry about that. I know. But anyways. But. Okay. What? But the way you explained it to him, you know, that's how everybody, everybody's looking at now. Mm-hmm. If it has nothing to do with them, fuck it. Exactly. Neanderthals. Anyways. You got any more entertainment news there? Uh, hold on. Put my cigarette out of here. <laughs> Let me see. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Now let her have the parent uh, news. I'll be These, back shortly. Okay, this is something you definitely have to listen to. 25 movies that definitely did not need a sequel. 
If one of them's Ghostbusters, I'm going to be pissed and I'm going to jump on my soapbox on that. Hold on. Few movies need need sequels. A few movies need sequels, but the ones that rank in an abundance of cash at the box office will almost certainly get them, like it or not. Once studios slash producers start sequelizing, I don't know why they explain it like that, it's hard to stop. It's not that hard. Um, there's a whole, uh, let's see. This is how, here's some examples. Trail of the Pink Panther happens. Or Curse of the Pink Panther. Or Son of the Pink Panther. Ten years ago, Todd Phillips, The Hangover, grossed so much money that the filmmakers had no choice but to figure out a reason to get the three stars into another memory-blanking predicament. To be honest, I think the first one was a memory erase. This was an egregious capitalization to commence, but Hollywood... In big fucking letters, Hollywood has done much worse to much better films. Let's see, a sampling of great movies. Weekend at Bernie's, another example. Should have been left alone. That, I do agree with. It shouldn't even have been made. Okay, this, I'm gonna agree Jaws. Hold on. Don't give me that look. Because I want to say something on that too. But hold on. It is ludicrous. Even to have another. Deluxe sized. Great white. Pay a visit. To the New England community. Of Amity. Particularly when the species is. Per Maine. Biologist Matt Hooper. Extremely rare for these waters. But, Jaws 2, is a model of plausibility compared to what followed. Jaws 3D, which would be the third. And I agree that, no, no. Felt like the franchise gimmicky last gasp, but the studio got super Stupid. With the Brody stocking shark of Jaws the Revenge. Again, I agree to that. Real life insult to injury. Each movie deepened a pernicious misunderstanding of great whites. And they've subsequently been hunted to the point of near endure endangerment with little outcry from a public that largely regards them as monsters. I can agree with that. It's like, um, I've read something. On what level? Hold on. 
That's what I want to know. I've read something. Uh, I think it was last year or towards the end of ne- towards the end of 2019 when we first started doing this podcast, where I've read something about a got a shark attack at Cape Cod. One shark attack was, was in fatal. 2020. One shark attack was fatal. The other one, almost. And the mu- the woman or wife of the guy that died actually wanted to go and kill it. And I don't know if I got in a soapbox rant for that, but here's a uh, little history lesson. On the ocean. For people who may not know or too duh to know. Sharks, especially great whites, have been around for millions of fucking years. Before we were ever fucking created. So, technically, great whites actually have more claim to the fucking waters than man does. Dinosaur year. So, in the words of Carlos Mencia, the ocean is the Great White's kitchen. You don't want to have a ch- get a chance to get bit by one, almost get killed by one. Stay the fuck out of the water. I do, but I'm not afraid of Great Whites because I know what they are. They they may be sharks. But they're technically the reason why the oceans, at the time, they were more balanced. Now look at it. You got fucking sea lions, seals of whatever species, in almost every coast. Dolphins. Well, dolphins. Crotch rocket. Uh, mostly. Yeah. Mostly, that was a Dodge Charger. Great whites, they don't normally feed on dolphins. That is a fact, because I have not ever seen a report of a sh- great white attack a dolphin. If their food scarce is, if their food source is sort of scarce, yeah, they're gonna go after the thing that moves. I mean, technically, they're under the water, where their vision, it's good, but not that great. They look at the fucking uh, surface, they see something swimming. What's going to happen if it's hungry? It's going to go right at it. So, with seals of any species... um are mainly the great white's food. Their predominant food. So, if seals are in, I mean, you know, California, big shocker. But now, you're seeing it, seeing those types of seals, fucking Florida, Cape Cod, um, 
Maine. Maine. Well, I haven't heard of a Great White in Maine yet. I did. Oh, you have? Yeah, that was okay. last year. Oh. That was last year around around my birthday. Oh. Because I showed you the news report. Uh, it was from. Uh, oh, I can't remember the news crew up in Maine, but it was last year. Okay. They actually had it on film. Okay, we could explain. We could explain. Put Maine in that category too, but with the coast sides, coastal sides, like California. I don't know if Texas has it, but maybe. Florida, South Carolina, and all the way up, majority of the East Coast. Great whites are going to be more spotted. For example, another example, the one that was found in Florida this past year. It was actually caught at night. Yep. But it was let go. Because people don't know, it's against the law... To kill a great white. Yep. If you catch it, oh. you better be working as a biologist for the for the um, for the uh, for marine the marine biology. science for the ocean. Yeah. Actually, Texas and Florida are are in have the Gulf of Mexico in between them. Yeah, I know. And then you have the regular side of Florida, which is all of the coast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the eastern. Yeah, Martha's Vineyard, one of them, too. Yep. Uh, one thing I could say, with Great Whites, there is also another theory, which is actually very accurate. The Great White is the descendant of the Megalodon. Of course, some people think, oh, Megalodon is descended to the Tiger Shark. No. No. There are Great Whites the size of fucking tanker trucks. Yeah. A couple of them are the size. Huh? The Megalodon is actually part of the dinosaur species. Yeah, I know it is. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but the Great White is a descendant of the Megalodon because one, the way it looks, and the face is structured the right way, just by the fucking goddamn mouth. And it um, and Great Whites. There's some that be, that are the size of fucking buses. Those would be considered the uh, juvenile ones. There's tanker-sized sharks, great whites that would be considered adult. And you got the old fucks that are bigger than a goddamn tank. Megalodons. Those are considered megalodons. Dinosaurs. I mean. Of course, you want to add Australia. There was um, a great white. It was a female. That was given the nickname Big Blue. Simply because she was huge. But she was also considered an elder dinosaur. 
an elder one because she was so old. And she was huge. Bigger than a fucking tanker. And there was a tracker on her. And several months later, the tracker disappears. What the fuck happened to it? If it died, you'd be able to tell if it hits the fucking ocean floor or it gets washed up on shore. If it just disappears, then here's the thing. What the fuck you think ate it? <laughs> well, if it... If Old Blue died and went down to the bottom of the floor... As you said. Yeah. With the tracker. Depending on the depth of Old Blue just coming straight down onto the ocean floor. Yeah. The tracker probably got crushed. Now, the, it's not the, the tracker was on her dorsal fin. Right, but what I'm saying is that if Old Blue died, yeah. depends on where in the area she was. And she and her whole entire body just kept up coming down and coming down and coming down and coming down, depending on the depth before yeah. she hit the floor. It the tracker probably got crushed. Yeah. Because they don't design trackers for a certain type of depth because nobody knows how far the rest of the world goes down in water. <laughs> oh, they know. They're just that stupid. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> The tracker probably got crushed, and that's probably how they lost Old Blue, if she croaked. Yeah, but back to the explanation of Jaws for sequels. I do agree. One is by far the biggest one. The best one. Two... Eh. Well, I don't have two on DVDs, so that could explain Hello... But Jaws 3D, which would be 3, pathetic. Where was the 3D image? Where was it? Oh, I know. At the fucking end, but it goes through the fucking glass. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Remember movie theaters doing the 3D glasses? Yeah, for when people? they start doing it. Right, if you wear those 3D glasses, it's like the movie is not on the screen anymore, but it's like right here in your face. Yeah, I know. That's where the 3D came in. Yeah, but... And at the end, with the 3D glasses still on, it's like Jaws just right at you. That's, well, how, that's how all that shit started. The creator of Jaws 3D yeah. decided to say, well, let's make 3D glasses. Give them out to all the movie theaters for the movie. That's how all that shit started. Yeah, I know. Jaws 3D in 3D vision with the glasses. I know, but what I'm saying is, with the glasses on, because I remember seeing it in the theaters, I'm sitting there, I don't fucking see where one point in the goddamn movie that was 3D. The only part I saw that was 3D... Was when it was going right into the glass. Right. The only 3D element I fucking saw. Oh, the glass coming right at you. The only part. Yeah. Nothing else. 
through the whole goddamn movie was 3D. Exactly. Jaws 4. There's a reason why I rolled my eyes. <laughs> uh, was not at any form a shark movie. It was a goddamn something you would see on a fucking drama on the afternoon and the afternoon times. Okay, maybe the beginning. It was. It looks like the sh- a shark movie. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it. Trust me, you ain't missing nothing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. One of the kids dies. Automatically. You can tell. Gets in a boat. Goes to the fucking thing where whatever was attached to it. Hello. Fucking shark comes up. You know. He's good as dead. That part, yeah, that's a shark movie. The rest of it, until, like, the fucking climax, not anywhere close. And explain something to me. Has ever a shark in any kind of fucking movie that's supposed to be, you know, based on what great whites are, ever... Roar. Not that I can recall. <laughs> I've never heard of one shark roaring. I like to know who was in control of that fucking robot to get it to fucking roar when it was getting shot with electricity. Because I love to slap the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, it worked maybe for some people. When, technically, it's not the electricity in it that's going to kill it. It's the fucking boat. <laughs> yeah, literally. All right. Next, The Exorcist. I kind of do agree, maybe. The film that spawned a classic Richard Pryor stand-up bit, The Devil... Is a low motherfucker, Jack. Should have cashed out with its first entry. Yes, John Borman's Exorcist 2, The Heretic, is a fascinatingly nutty, visually audacious attempt at a, at a metaphysical thriller, but the film he tried to make clashed with the held-over elements from William Friedkin's blockbuster adaptation of William Peter Blatley's novel. Blatley's loosely connected Exorcist spin-off novel Legion became the very good Exorcist 3. And Brad Durfson now one as the demon. But it might have been a classic absent, the shoehorned-in demon-expelling ritual. Paul Schrader, I wonder if he's related to Dave Schrader, uh, heady, well-intentioned Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. There's a reason why I'm eye-rolling 
fucking kidding me. Was shredded and reshot by Rennie Harlan for Exorcist the beginning. Neither is worth your time. I would agree. And from what I know, uh, Linda Blair, who was in the first and the second one, when she was, you know, the little girl, uh, you know, little Reagan, there is a scene in the movie where it's given the effect that she's jerking around on the bed. Or basically bumping around in the bed, jerking back and forth. But it's actually the special effects coordinators, coordinators that were pulling her on like different, on some type of mechanisms to make it like she, like the beds actually throwing her around. That scene, you're not going to know it. But behind the scenes, she's moving, being moved by, uh, I want to say coordinators and maybe puppeteers or something. They were moving her. I don't know what direction it was, but that actually hurt her spine. And I didn't know that until I was actually watching uh, something on YouTube yesterday. Of Kevin Yeager, who originally created what we know as Chucky. He created the doll, even though technically it was Don Mancini's envision. But Kevin Yeager created it, head to toe. And he explained it. Linda Blair, she, um, due to the fact at the time when Linda Blair was in The Exorcist, there was no child labor laws in effect for kids in movies. Especially horror movies. So, she actually has a fucked up back. Just by the move it around scene on the bed in The Exorcist. I wonder if that was a lawsuit. Uh, the second one, I do agree. It did not make sense to me. Whatsoever. Exorcist 3, which Paramike even knows because he's seen it too. I actually liked it. I liked uh, the Exorcist 3. I mean, Paramike thought it was actually pretty cool at the time. Because they were doing shit that was out of the box. I mean, yeah. I liked it because Brad Dourif was playing the demon in it. Yeah, I gave it four and a half stars. Almost had the five, but four and a half. <laughs> Arthur is the next one. What? Arthur. 1981. Okay, I was born in 1981. Steve Gordon's Arthur was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1981, which might have been the last year you could get away with the happy drunk routine. By the time Warner Brothers, shocker, got around to sequeling, sequelizing the Dudley Moore hit, minus director-writer, 
writer-director Gordon, who died in 1981, 1982, oh, that sucks, increased awareness of the physical and emotional damage wrought by the disease of alcoholism had sapped the public's thirst for another round of inebriated shenanigans. Poor timing aside, the sequel was perfectly atrocious in its own right. The 2011 remake starring Russell Brand went down like a sun-baked schlitz. <laughs> oh, and they're talking about drinking? I'm having some right now. Ah, I love margaritas. Okay, next love story. Snooze fest. Arthur Hiller's adaptation of. E I can't believe I have to say his name. Erich Siegel's. Unless they pronounce it Eric. Love Story was the Titanic of its day. I bet. An unabashed, weepy boyade of two enormously appealing characters and a grandoise musical score that went for the emotional juggler. That's juggler. Audience lined up to watch poor Oliver, Ryan O'Neill, lose the love of his young life, Jenny, Ali McGraw, again and again. It was a perfect perceived in Amber tragedy. But Siegel couldn't leave sad enough alone. The wrong-headedness of his sequel, Oliver's Story, can be summed up by the film adaptation's tagline, it takes someone very special to help you forget someone very special. That makes no sense. Fans of Love Story felt betrayed by the implied eraser of Jenny, and they stayed way the fuck away. Excuse you over there. Apparently, there's more pe there's more people with name Everich. I still want to kill that motherfucker. You know, when you were finishing okay. that statement, uh, I think our oldest one over there just said, and I heard it. <laughs> Hopefully no one else did. Don't know. Okay. One of the trilogies that I have. Die Hard. Die Hard spawned a franchise isn't the problem. It's that it spawned the wrong franchise. I beg your pardon. Based on Roderick Thorpe's novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, John McTiernan's 1988 action masterpiece should have leaned more heavily on Bruce Willis's Everyman Charm as John McClane who uses his street cop wits to defeat Hans Gruber, his heavily armed thieves. Instead, the producers turned the character, 
into a human cockroach who improbably out-survives his adversaries, Die Hard with a Vengeance is the closest the series came to recapturing the thrill of watching McLean think. But by the second act, it had him getting blown through a manhole atop of a geyser of water like a Looney Tune character. I fucking beg your pardon. The Die Hard sequels were not that fucking bad. Die Hard actually put Bruce Willis on the motherfucking map. So you could kiss my motherfucking ass. <laughs> the Terminator. Dun 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 dun. In ideal world, James Cameron's The Abyss was a box office smash in 1989, thus obviating the need for the filmmaker to muck up the tidy timeline of his emotionally resonant sci-fi classic, The Terminator. Unfortunately, Cameron's ambitious underwater adventure Marked him as a budget uh, floating control freak. The smart play was to reunite with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and apply his conceptual slash technical genius to a sequel that was as visually exciting as it was temporarily nonsensical. Cameron wisely dropped the mic after that, leaving the subsequent filmmakers to contrive utterly moronic reasons for Skynet to keep sending Terminators to the present day. Dun, 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 dun. The forthcoming... Oh god, don't tell me there's another one. Terminator Dark Fate boasts the direct involvement of Cameron and the good fortune of following up the series Nader, Terminator, Genesee, Genesis. Okay. The first Terminator. Okay. Again, I'm not a sci-fi fan. But for the present of the era, it was good. For the era. Not the second one, third, fourth, or however fucking many there are. There's four. Well, apparently there's going to be a fifth one. Oh, Jesus. Don't, didn't need a whole bunch of them. Just one. Anchorman. Stupidest thing ever made. The Adam McKay... Wolf slash Will Ferrell can't stand him. Ca comedy machine. Uh, no. I would not put comedy and machine together in the same sentence with Will Ferrell. Produced its first mainstream absurdist delight with this richly imagined sp goof of network affiliate news and the tackiness 
of the 1970s in, in general. It was a work of peculiar genius from a creative duo uh, joyfully breaking free from their NSL constraints. Given that they filmed enough footage to release a second feature on DVD, Wake Up, Ron Burgundy, there was reason to believe these characters, as Milou, were unlike most com comedies, fertile ground for a revisit. The frustratingly scattershot Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, Capably, capable, two shots. Take a drink. Oops. Capably demolished or diminished the note that notion. It's McKay slash Farrell's a day at the races. Okay. Uh. Next, First Blood. People wondering what the fuck I just meant for a say for a movie? Hold on. Isn't that a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Huh? Isn't that a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? First Blood? Yeah. No. Okay. There is a movie that has First Blood in the title. Right. With Jean-Claude Van Damme, but no, not this one. Okay, so it's a different one. Upon its release in 1982, Ted Kochinoff's <laughs> First Blood did not feel like a franchise launcher for star Sylvester Stallone. It's talking about um, Rambo. Ah, okay. It was a... It was... I forgot all about that one. It was a rousing, somewhat serious-minded rendition of the don't mess with, with Vietnam veterans exploitation genre that had proved profitable over the years, most notably with John Flynn's Rolling Thunder, but the laconic John Rambo wasn't particularly cool or a la Rocky Balboa, cuddly. As Americans shook, shock, uh, uh, shook off their Vietnam hangover, Rambo emerged as a one-man embodiment of renewed military might. His first mission was to bloodily relitigate the conflict that brought the U.S. low as a joynostic cartoon with an amazing Jerry Goldsmith score in three of the cinema's all-time great on-screen bad guys, Charles Nepierre, Martin Cove, and Stephen Burkoff. Rambo, First Blood Part 2, is a blast. But the 
Afghanistan set Rambo 3 is an overproduced bore. Don't say that to Sylvester Stallone. Or his brother. Wherein Stallone teams up with the future Taliban to fight the Ruskies. That's a little racy, ain't it? Whereas 2008's gore-coated Rambo is generally anti-human. I didn't think First Blood was that bad. How about you? I didn't think it was bad at all. Although they couldn't give him uh, some more weapons to use. Yeah. In certain scenes. Maybe a little bit more explosions that were more perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead of the same goddamn explosions from, like, Rambo 1. Yeah. It could have gotten a little bit better. Sure, yeah, I agree. Really? Home Alone? Did it need a fucking... Uh, sequel? This diverting fantasy about a kid... Macaulay Culkin, who's left home alone over the holidays by his parents, remains one of the most unexpected smashes of all time. I agree. Of course, that was before Macaulay Culkin became a crackhead. Now he's sober, mm. married, second marriage, and has a child. It topped the box office over its opening weekend in November 1990. Didn't seed the number one spot until February 1991. Uh, what? Tell me that does not make sense to you. Because it makes no sense to me. It doesn't. By the end of its theatrical run... It was the third highest grossing film domestically and worldwide of all time. Okay, I could see where... Okay, now I could see how it kind of explains it. Its studio, 20th Century Fox, was obligated to make a sequel. And the lousy Home Alone 2... Lost in New York, verily reeks of obligation. What? That's one of fucking Tim Curry's best movies. And Tim Curry even liked it. True. But even though he was playing a concierge, but... Yeah. But I think he... The movie would have done better if they didn't have uh, Dump in it. Huh? The movie would have done a lot better if they didn't have Dump in it. He was only... Yeah, I know, but he was only in it for, like, not even three seconds. I so know, technically, but still. he wasn't really in it. He was just an extra. No, but still. I don't know. They could have done a lot better without Dump in it, because uh, Tim Curry uh, did not like him in the movie. I know he didn't. Tim Curry almost said to the directors and the producers to go fuck themselves if he's going to be in it. I know that. But unfortunately, the directors and the producers kept dump in it. 
and Curry stayed because somebody decided to give him extra cash. Because at the time, and Tim Curry not, was a major star. That wasn't known until, I think, about 13 years later. Yeah. Not only that, he mentioned it when he was doing a Q&A uh, a few years ago. The only reason he stayed on is because someone paid him more money. At the time, if you look at the time range, Tim Curry was a big star then. So, if someone like Tim Curry walks off a movie set quitting because of somebody else they, they had an issue with, that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. And due to the fact that the whole movie there was actually done in Dump's Hotel. Um, actually, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Tim Curry even said it wasn't his hotel. It would have been his hotel if Tim Curry did walk off. Um, the Plaza Hotel is an actual hotel in New York, but Dump doesn't own that one. He owns a different one. When the movie was done, Trump was actually in negotiations of buying the entire hotel during the movie. It's something that it's that was never known for a long time until it finally came out. That hotel the whole hotel scene was actually going to be Trump Hotel, Trump Plaza. Well, what I really think that made uh, Home Alone 2, of course, Joe Pesci. And the guy that played Marv, who passed passed away a couple of years ago. Him, I didn't really Even like Joe that much. Joe Pesci didn't like him. Him, I didn't like that much, but Joe Pesci was fucking funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a different twist than what people would see Joe Pesci doing. Playing freaking mob guys. The Lone Casino. Mm-hmm. Which he did two years later. There were three more sequels of Home Alone. And the last two being made for television, Drek. Hmm. In other words, it sucked. Yeah, I think it was the third one. And there was supposed to be another one, I think. One with the girl. If I remember correctly. With the girl? Yeah. You had Colin McCulkin in one and two. Yeah. In three, you had another kid. Yeah, it wasn't a girl. And then there was supposed to be a fourth one with a girl. I remember seeing something like that before my tumor. I don't know if maybe hearing anything about it. Yeah, it was supposed to be a blonde-headed girl doing uh, Home Alone 4. It might have been maybe in... Maybe it talks, but that probably never happened. No, I've Because seen... each sequel has a fucking boy in it. Yeah, I know. It's not the girl. It's not a girl. I know, but there was supposed to be a fourth one with a girl in it, but it, I guess it fell through. You might have, yeah. It happens. Next is Speed. That's surprising. Even with a blessedly simple hook, man bomber remotely hijacks a city bus... It's 
Inserting the vehicle will explode if it drops below 50 miles per hour. A lot had to break right for speed to become a critical slash commercial sensation. So 20th Century Fox cycled through multiple script doctors before hiring the up-and-coming Joss Whedon to reconfigure the narrative and punch up original writer Graham Yutes dialogue and also dodged a bullet when Stephen Baldwin turned down the lead role. That's surprising. A Baldwin turns down a role? <laughs> and it hit pay dirt by casting the then little known Sandra Bullock. Yeah. As the plucky co-lead Annie. In short, everything that went right on with speed went catastrophically wrong on Speed 2, Cruise Control. Starting with the decision that an out-of-control cruise ship in ocean water would thrill audiences like a speeding bus on a busy Los Angeles expressway. I agree. Speed 2 should not even been concepted. Or made, period. Donnie Darko? What the fuck's Donnie Darko? Beats the hell out of me. Richard Kelly's pre-apocalyptic sci-fi slash horror flick barely got a theatrical release in the fall of 2001. Its door tone was decidedly out of step with the public mood in the immediate wake of 9-11. I think that's why. Not many people fucking remember that. But it acquired a fervent cult following on home video. And quicker than you could say Eddie and the Cruisers to Eddie Lives, the producers who owned the rights to this unexpected hit were desperate to cash in with a sequel. Kelly had zero interest in rushing out a cheap follow-up to his labor of love, so don't blame him for the horrid S. Darko, which brought back uh, Devian Chase as Donnie's now-troubled sister, Sam. Good thing I never heard of it. And, of course... We uh, talked about the beginning of this fucking stuff. Weekend at Bernie's. It's total garbage. But Ted Kakash. Kachoffs. Kachifs, I think. Three shots. Stubbled. Black comedy. About two nitwits. Andrew McCarthy. And Jonathan Silverman, who lugged their boss, boss's fresh corpse around the Hamptons to maintain the illusion that he is still alive, was a box office, was a modest, I'm going to say that again, a modest boss, box office success 
1989. Thus necessitating a sequel that ironically ups the ante by having a voodoo priestess partially reanimate Bernie. The god-awful Weekend at Bernie's 2 is always the conversation for worst sequel ever made. But on the bright side, it did inspire a dance craze. Um, I'm not even going to say it. Basic Instinct. This immaculately crafted 1992 Neo-Noir received an extremely late-in-the-day sequel 14 years later. Sands director Paul Ver- Verhoeven and screenwriter Joe Esderes that left journeyman Helmer Michael Canton-Jones and the scripting team of Leora Leora, I think that's how it's pronounced, Barish, and Henry Bean to contrive a compelling reason to revisit Sharon Stone's iconic femme fatale, Catherine Tremell. It's difficult to tell if they tried too hard or simply didn't give a rip. Either way, aside from Stone giving her all, she practically had to sue the sequel into existence. The follow-up was a profoundly non-erotic dud. Oh, God. This is going to piss both me and you off. The Karate Kid is on this list. Okay. Rocky director John G. Evelston brought his stand-up and sheer expertise or sheer expertise to this teen drama about a bullied outcast who learns karate from his apartment building's handyman, and wound up with the sleeper hit of the summer in 1984. But whereas Rocky lent itself to a franchise, pro boxers got a box. Which makes no sense to a different, entirely different movie. Daniel LaRusso wasn't bound from martial arts glory. Ergo, the film... Filmmakers did the only logical thing with their sequel. They got Daniel caught up in a fight to the death of Mr. Miyagi's home island on Okinawa that escalated quickly. Ralph Macchio's portrayal of LaRusso had grown so irritating by the third film that you couldn't help but root for Thomas Ian Griffith to. Uh, to karate him silly. (laughs) I do agree. The fourth film, hold on, the fourth film dumped Machio 
for a pre-stardom uh, Hillary Swank. Which didn't work either. Amazingly, the YouTube series, Cobra Kai, has inverted the franchise's formula to a winning effect. Maybe three awful sequels and a ho-hum remake were worth it after all. A ho-hum? Surprising they left one out. Huh? Surprisingly, they left one movie out. Yeah. In the Karate Kid franchise. What? The one with Jackie Chan. That's what I think it means. Um, but the Ho-Hum remake, I think that's what they're meaning. The remake with Jackie Chan. Hmm, Jackie Chan and uh, what was that kid's name? However. A little Bow Wow. However... The third film for Karate Kid 3, I do agree to an extent. The story was there that uh, LaRusso had to defend his title, but Miyagi didn't want to help him. It was basically, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to teach you anymore. You don't have... In Miyagi's own words from the acting, you don't need to fight to prove you need to go after... Your, to protect your title. Which would... Yeah. Which, uh, LaRusso, being a teenager, rebellious, in a way, goes to Cobra Kai... To get help. I mean, yeah. The attitude that Machio had to portray in the third one was not needed. No. Whatsoever. I mean, I get, you know, the fact he's Italian. You want to give him a short temper, but come on. You cannot give an Italian a short temper. They, it's just... It's not in their body functions. <laughs> when they get an pissed Italian, off, they get pissed off. <laughs> yeah, an Italian has a high level of pissed off. Mix that Italian with Romanian. You get a whole fucking different breed. Example, my brothers and me. <laughs> They will kill you. <laughs> the fourth sequel? Hillary Swank. I didn't like her before. When she was in fucking Buffy. The movie. And seeing her in the fourth... With Miyagi, not only was it a bitter pill for me to swallow, I didn't even want to see it. Especially now that we learned that the fourth film, the people behind the fourth film, dumped Machio for her. I mean, I can kind of understand maybe the reason for it, 
it's a girl that's getting bullied. I get that. But Karate Kid 2, it wasn't even that bad. It was good. Mm-hmm. Hell, I got all three of them. Am I going to waste my time with the third? No. If anybody wants the third one, let me know. Caddyshack! Bill Murray and John Candy. Huh? Bill Murray and John Candy. Harold Ramis, too. Oh, I forgot he was in that one, too. Harold Ramis' chaotic country club classic famously ended with Rodney Dangerfield declaring that everyone on the golf course at that moment was about to have sex. Um... I don't remember hearing anything what? like that. What? <laughs> is this talking about the second one? <laughs> well, there is Caddyshack, and there's Caddyshack 2. It has to be talking about Caddyshack 2. What? I'm not repeating. Sex? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll repeat I've it watched, again. I've seen Caddyshack. And I've seen Caddyshack 2. Yeah. And in both films, the where does the sex come in? Well, Nowhere. Hold on. I think in Caddyshack... Fuck this story up. In Caddyshack Part 2... No shit. There is a line that Rodney Dangerfield says on the golf course, but I can't remember what the line was. What? What are you doing? Oh. My cat Betty swallowed, uh, wrong tube. But anyway, I'm going to repeat it again. I don't like to repeat myself. But, in case some people don't know. Or just turning in. Caddyshack. One of the 25 movies that didn't need a sequel. Held Ramus's Chaotic. Country Club Classic famously ended with Rodney Dangerfield declaring that everyone on the golf course at that moment was about to have sex. That had to have been the second movie. That had to have been that. The ensuing orgy would have made for a far more interesting sequel than the labored PG-13 rated 1988 follow-up that replaced Dangerfield's profane yucks with Jackie Mason's moldy Burshit Burscht, I think that's how his name is, Belt Groaners and Bill Murray's inspired groundskeeper antics with Dan Aykroyd's oddly contemptuous imitation. It's a brutally unfunny movie populated with stars who were seemingly paid in advance or not enough to put in, you know, the, the effort. And yet, Kenny Loggins brought the me- melodic heat with an opening credits anthem that's every bit the, the equal of the first film's I'm Alright. 
airplane. Of course. Having thoroughly prodded the passenger jet in peril movie of Airplane with Airplane, the filmmaking team of D David Zucker, Jim Abrams, Abrahams, and Jerry Zucker bailed on the box office mandated follow-up, leaving Paramount to turn to its in-house heck or hack, sorry, Ken Fickleman, to work his Grease 2, uh, let me throw up right now, Grease 2, what? Grease and Grease 2 should not even be mentioned, it sucks. Magic on the almost adequate Airplane 2, the sequel, whereas the Zazz team Use the straight-faced content, content of 1957's Zero Hour as a narrative backbone. Fickleton, Fickleman indulges in random, Johnny Carson-level spoofery. David Zucker fared much more with the sequels to The Naked Gun, I agree, because the cop movie is a far broader topic. Also, he had Leslie Nielsen in it. I do agree. Let's see, Naked Gun. Was there three of those? For Naked Gun? I know they. there's Naked Gun and Naked, so. Naked Gun one and a half. Let me see. I think there's three, but I could be wrong. But I do like Leslie Nielsen, so... They skipped the airplane and the airplane too, because both of them sucked. If you want to watch a good sequel, watch the Naked Gun trilogy. It is a good movie. They are good movies. And again, they got Leslie Nielsen in it. I'm gonna take a quick sip here. Yeah. Okay. But there is the naked gun. Yep. The naked gun two and a half. And naked gun thirty three and a third. Okay. Yeah, I thought they did three. And yeah, of course was, uh, Saturday Night Fever. Let's see. Uh, and the Naked Gun was uh, from the Files of Police Squad in 1988. Yeah. Naked Gun, Naked Gun 2 and a half, The Smell of Fear in 91. And then the Naked Gun 33 and the third, The Final Insult in 1994. What? Yeah. They can kiss my ass. <laughs> I didn't have any problem with Naked Gun movies. I thought they were actually funny. I mean, too. Come on. Leslie Nielsen? Yeah, and you want to know who else was in that movie? Outside of Leslie Nielsen? Huh? The criminal that was behind bars for a long oh, time. Oh, I know. 
O.J. Simpson. I know, that was before that. O.J. Simpson played a detective in it. So what? I only watched it because of Leslie Nielsen, because he's actually funny. And Priscilla Presley was in there, too. Yeah? Uh, with Leslie Nielsen, George uh, Kennedy, uh, Ricardo Montalban, Robert Goulet, Richard Griffith, Weird Al Yankovic, yeah. Fred Ward, Anna Nicole Smith, and Ed Williams. Yeah. And, of course, we go to Saturday Night Fever. I didn't know Saturday Night Fever had a sequel. Disco was dead. 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 By the dead! time... Thanks. Welcome. By the time Paramount got around to making a sequel to John ba- Badham's 1977 pop cultural juggernaut. But the top studio in town somehow convinced, arguably, the biggest movie star on the planet, Sylvester Stallone, to write and direct a sequel that brought John Travolta's dance craze Tony Manero to Broadway. Oh, come on. Staying Alive is a steroid-fueled fever dream made by an egomaniacal action auteur who'd apparently never seen a musical before. Or maybe he had, and he thought they all sucked. Hence, Satan's Alley, composed by none other than Frank Stall- than Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone. At the absolute height of his powers, on one hand, staying alive is an imminently watchable disaster. Had it been the sequel to Can't Stop the Music, it'd be revered. The Bee Gees. How about no? The Bee Gees. Crocodile Dundee. Fish out of water comedies were big for Paramount in the 1980s. See Beverly Hills Cop. But the studio couldn't have possibly predicted a film with no stars would wind up being domestically the second highest grossing film of 1986, following just $2 million shy of Top Gun. The film's occasionally problematic charms are still evident 33 years later, but the sequel is a baffling ordeal built around the amiable Dundee, Paul Hogan. Not to be confused with Hulk Hogan. Everybody knows his fucking real name, and he sucks as a wrestler and always has. Tangling with vicious South American drug dealers, a second sequel 